podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, welcome to Ace Podcast Nation. I'm Sai, and this is the home of the Andy Campbell Football Show. This is episode number 124. The show is available live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. Ace Podcast Nation, of course, you're home to many other great shows and series featuring top guests, expert analysts, and more. Do give us a follow on social media, subscribe to that YouTube channel, and keep up to date on everything on the social media channels. And you can get the audio versions at the usual podcast platforms for every single show if you want to keep it football you can follow at ac footy show on pretty much all social medias and uh, yeah streamline your experience it's going to be an interesting show tonight a family affair but uh, just as we wait for the various platforms just to fill up a little bit in the chat uh, a big thank you to black diamond sports as ever black diamond sports is a global sports agency representing sports stars from around the world for more information visit their social media pages and indeed their website the links to which are in the description below and in the closing credits at the end of the show and uh, today's sponsor as ever bespoke financial uh darren ralston of bespoke financial giving away a free will worth 140 pounds with any new policy which is taken out so please check him out and uh, give him a call don't miss out on what is an incredible offer uh, he's looked after Andy with uh, various policies over the years, including the critical illness and the injury cover. They are truly top of their field and uh, they provide award-winning service. We are proud to partner with such a top-class brand and we thank them for sponsoring the show. We'll have a, a little video from them later on as well. But uh, let's get into it. Introducing, first of all, the co-host with the most, the goal collector, the fox in the box, still the king of the Millennium Stadium. The QPR dream killer. Number two. He is my very good friend. Ex-Cardiff City. Middlesbrough striker. Mr Andy Campbell. Welcome my friend. How are you? Good evening. Yeah, I'm very good. Uh, even better after after Saturday night. Listen, um, we start the show with a... What happened uh, on Saturday, of, mate? Bit of love for Aidan Flint. Um, shot a lot of people up. Um, down the road for you guys, so it was a it was a nice watch, lovely to watch. You know what I mean? A proper performance by a um, by a proper team who was together, who showed a bit of grit, a bit of determination. Um, but uh, but yeah, look, me looking forward to this. This is personal, um, not in a bad way, by the way. Um, but it's very, it's not very very often you get an opportunity to um, 
to dig deep into your um, into your into your brother's mind and the way that he the way that he thought during his career and stuff. So yeah, really looking forward to it. You could just have a conversation with him like day yeah, to day. Well. I could have <laughs> just gone round. I could have just gone round his house. Instead yeah. of doing it on this, but. Yeah, had a cup of tea, like. But um, yeah, I'm very excited to welcome today's guest. He is uh, the older Campbell, or number one son to his parents. He is currently <laughs> serving the longest suspension in history, which started in 1987. <clears throat> he is Judy and Stuart's favourite son. It is ex Scarborough and York City. Doncaster Rovers striker, Mr. Neil Campbell. Welcome, mate. How are you? No, thank you, Sai. Thank you, Andy, for having me on. Uh, looking forward to it. Like I say, I'm sure we could have done this over the phone, uh, but obviously we wanted to go public with it, so we'll see how it goes. <laughs> it wouldn't be as fun, Sai, would it? It wouldn't be as fun. It wouldn't no. be as. Uh, it wouldn't be as fun for everyone else. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I think it was a. By the comments, what I'm in the uh, in the in the chat now, it's. Uh, um, I think it's going to be a dangerous evening. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Mate. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> it's. Um, there's already lots and lots of people in the chat as well, so that's uh, always nice to see. So it's going to be interesting to see where the night goes, because as, the, as is tradition, we kind of do go wherever the, the live questions take us. But um, before we do that, we'll, have a, we'll keep it structured to start, and uh, we'll start with the, the magnific- Magnificent Seven, Neil, which, uh, as you know, is just a, just a way for people to get to know you and your tastes and whatnot. So uh, let's start there and see where we go. Neil Campbell, the Magnificent Seven. Nice and easy to start. Messi or Ronaldo? See, I had this conversation with my sons the other day. I'm going to go Messi. Favourite TV show? Don't really watch that much TV at the moment, but I'd say like a gold rush or something like that. Uh, Scarborough or Doncaster? <laughs> oh no! <laughs> That's easy, by the way. Oh it's yeah, I knew it would. I knew it would be <laughs> Scarborough. Uh, best manager you've ever played for? Alvin Martin. What a guy! Top player as well, uh, by the way. Top player. Yeah, top player. very underrated player. Uh, angriest teammate you've ever played with? Not yourself. <laughs> Andy Campbell. Yeah, well. Uh, Favourite host of the Andy Campbell show? Sorry. <laughs> Good answer. Yeah, this is vicious. This is vicious. <laughs> this is only the beginning. Uh, and of, of course, the last question. Who is the greatest Englishman who's ever lived? Doesn't have to be football related. Englishman? Jonas, I... I just go with like footballers and things like that. Do you know what I mean? And to be honest, like for me, I adore Alan Shearer. He's the one for me at the moment. Good effort. Good effort. I don't think we've had Alan yet. I don't think we've had Alan yet. A lot of people haven't picked footballers. I have. So it's uh, sometimes it's refreshing to uh, to have someone who you know. I mean, I know obviously the family just revolved around football. That's all we've all we've done all our life, really. So it's uh, it's probably a go-to release to pick a footballer. Yeah, well, it's, uh, and, Neil, it's and, 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 and Neil didn't work very hard at school, so you know, I mean, it's easy, it's easy, easy, easy thing. There's plenty, it. there's plenty of people I could have picked, but I just think I don't know, just his mentality, the way he was, and everything. I just always looked up to that and tried to do what he did, really. Apart from maybe a few bookings here and there. 
Uh, we've got uh, Matty, Matty, Emery, Matty, Matty Emery in the in the, in the group chat. Now he's just said that he can't believe he didn't pick him for best manager. So that's all I'm saying. He's, he's not going to be very happy, by the way. <laughs> I didn't think he was still alive with the COVID jab and that. So, <laughs> so what we'll do then is uh, before we uh, we really delve into it, it's going to be interesting. People saying they've already surprised you haven't had a red card already, Neil, which is interesting. Don't know what that says about you. But um, we'll go with Tell Me Why, first of all. So I'm going to ask you both uh, two questions, and you get 60 seconds to answer, talk about the question. Um, who wants to go first? I'll let Neil pick to see if he wants to go first or second. Go on. I don't mind going first. Well, go on then. Just it's easier to go first. Do you reckon? I do, yeah. Because once you go second, it's difficult not to just repeat what the person before you has said. Do you know what? I, I, Depending I, 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 on the question. Yeah, it depends. It depends which kind of swing you swing you look at it, and, and when you ask the question, I'm already thinking of the way I'm going to answer it, and then I just get another idea off the guess normally. But then when you go second, I wish I'd have copied. What? Uh, sorry, if it, when when I'm going to go first, I've already said it. I wish I'd have copied the second person. They always give a better yeah, Well, that's it, isn't it? I, um, I think one of these questions might be harder for Neil than you, but I might be wrong, so we'll see now. It's the second question, though. So the first question is, uh, who is the best out-and-out striker in Europe at the moment and why? You cannot say Messi or Ronaldo because they're not out-and-out Good strikers. Quest. Good question. And, uh, Neil, your 60 seconds starts now. It's probably Haaland at the moment, I'd say. Uh, the age he is, the maturity, the goal scoring record he's got in the Champions League, second to none really. Not sure if the German league is one of the top leagues at the moment, but for me, out and out striker. Uh, he's, he's, like, he's quite an old fashioned striker at the moment, I would say. Tough, bustling, pace. He goes through defenders, holds it up well. And to be fair, play it when he can finish. I think he's a lot better than his uh, probably his dad probably was in the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll let you. That. I'll let you off that. You've got got a few seconds Should to go. He's got, about, he's, got, he's got about thirty seconds left, hasn't he? Twenty-five. <laughs> Twenty-five seconds. We'll let him go. Because uh, I'd be interested to, to hear what you say, Hans. Because for me, it was out of Harland and one other. So I'd be interested if you well, pick the other. Yeah. Well, I'm going to pick. I'm going to pick a other because I, I just think it's a bit unfair if we both pick the same one. So I'm going to go on another. I think. Okay. Sixty another. seconds starts now. Um, so I'm going to go Mbappe and I think for me he's got all the attributes to be a top goal scorer um, he's got the pace to burn he's got the, he's got the trickery he's got, the, he's got he's got everything to score the goals he's just for me I'd like to see him in a better better, better league playing his, tra- playing his trade week in week out Premier League um, or Spain you know what I mean the French League is a, is a good is a, is, a, is a decent standard for what he's doing at the minute coming through obviously from Monaco to Paris Saint-Germain doing well in Europe ripping the top teams apart in the Champions League but week in week out is the thing to do it for me he's got to look at the Cristiano Ronaldo's trying to emulate that kind of um, legacy and trying to do a week in week out you know I mean that's when you can call yourself a great you know I, I look at the likes of Ibrahimovic who've done it all over the world you know what I mean and, and, and for me to be classed as the best you've got to do it there you know what I mean he's won the World Cup um, he's done it in the Euros he's, he's going to do it again in the Euros in the summer I guess he's probably going to he's potentially going to win the Champions League this year um, you know what I mean with with the with the new manager. Time's the way up. To do things. 
60 seconds. Well done, Andy Campbell. Who were you going to pick? 60 seconds. Uh, I was going to pick Lewandowski. Yeah, because yeah, well, I, I just yeah, think it could have been. even even at the age of thirty two, like he's yeah, well, still age, age put me off. banging him in. Scored another hat trick on the weekend. Yeah, like. I watched I watched it at the weekend. I got I seen his first two goals in the first half when they had ten men. And it's just the way he just he doesn't do he doesn't do a lot in the game. He just knows where the you know what I mean. Just stays box to box and just and just everyone just puts the ball in the area for him. His first goal when he stabbed it in. His second goal with a header. Um, he's just a phenomenal centre forward. But he has to play in the right team side for me. I think. He suits German football. Yeah, I think he does. But like, if you look at this, right, his record at Bayern Munich, um, and this going, we were talking about uh, Messi and Ronaldo. They've changed what it means to be exceptional from a goal scoring record point of view. Yeah. Like, I, you two are strikers. You tell me if you'd be happy with this record: two hundred and fifteen appearances, hundred and ninety-seven goals. Who's is happy with that? That's Lewandowski at Bayern Munich. Oh, that's, that's 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 scary. That's scary. But then the thing is, also that's that's that's, that's been... so much worse than Ronaldo and Messi's records. Yeah, I know. Because I know, they've scored more goals than games. Mm. But that's but that's continued. And I think I think the German ah, German defense and the German league is doesn't get enough credit sometimes for me in defensively. You know, what I mean? the German defense is very stubborn. You know what I mean? I don't. Think, I agree with Neil. I don't think the league's very good. You know what I mean? And I'm on about the teams, the enough structure. But defensively, teams defend properly, like the German teams have always done. And I think that's that shows good credit for um, for attacking wise. You know what I mean? You talk, listen to Pep when Pep talks about Man City and, and his time at Bayern Munich. You know what I mean? He he didn't win everything at Bayern Munich because other teams set up defensive against him and he couldn't break him down. He didn't have the players to break him down. Yeah, and the other like. He, uh, Lewandowski scored back-to-back golden boots or won back-to-back golden boots in the Champions League uh, I think it was 2017-18 or something like that um, like he's done it in the big competitions he's done it in World Cups and he's 32 and he's still scoring I just think there's not many better but I would give you I'd say Mbappe in two years will probably be yeah, a, like he'll be the best striker he's not I don't think he's quite there yet like he's not quite consistent enough mm. Like when he comes up against the big boys in Europe, he'll have maybe. I just like the way he plays. I just yeah, I like the way he plays. I think you know. I just, I just like think, it's easy to just, score thirty goals in the French. Easy, but like yeah. for someone of his his talent, it's easy to score twenty five, thirty goals in the French league. But yeah. then when it becomes a bit more difficult against the biggest teams in Europe in the Champions League, is when he doesn't always be. He's not as consistent, maybe. But that's yeah, no, it. That's an age thing, isn't it? But then um, you can look so, at Ibrahimovic as well. Ibra scored again at the weekend for, um, what is he, 38? So, 39. You know, I mean, it's yeah, 39. Just, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous Unreal. to still be, still be doing it for AC Milan. And AC Milan aren't a, a, f- a phenomenon like they used to be. No. So, you know what I mean? To play in a team which is, is probably weaker than the Inter Milan's, the Aventus, probably the Atlanta, um, Napoli. You know what I mean? The, the, mm. the, the, the onus is on him a lot. Because I watched him against Man United and they really struggle without him when they come on. There was a lot of pressure on him to score, and he probably should have scored, or lucky not to score. Mm. And um, and the, yeah, but the pressure's on to play well. Yeah, I mean, Zlatan's thirty-nine, same age as me, and it's not the only similarity. In fairness, I, <laughs> I get told that a lot. Um, not so much since my ponytail was cut off, though. I'm afraid. So, right, uh, he doesn't doesn't grow a beard like you either. Indeed. Second, second, uh, second question. Uh, Neil, are you going first again on this one, or are you going to go second this time? I'm easy. Entirely up to you. 
Is he gonna? Do, is he gonna do? Is he gonna? Are we changing it to thirty seconds? Or are we gonna do the full sixty this time? <laughs> well, I think. I think. Yeah, I think he should do the full. It's gonna be harder. I think harder for Neil this one. But you never oh. know. Well, well, if I go first then, because I need my give go some then. ideas. Yeah, go on then. Yeah, it's it's about time. You, he copied you, though, innit? Like you've copied him all your life, you know. Exactly. Right. South Wales derby was very interesting on the weekend. Very yep. interesting indeed. Uh, Old Firm derby was interesting on the weekend ish. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask about the South Wales derby, but I decided because uh, Neil's got no affinity really to it. I thought I'll change it up slightly. So why are derbies so special and also where without fans is it really just another game because you haven't got that same intensity passion and rivalry there and ultimately it's just three points 60 seconds hang on my timer's not ready time starts now go um, I, I'll be honest with you. I, I, the, the Wales uh, derby, the Wales derby, the Cardiff Swansea derby had more uh, passion than the than the Old Firm derby. Um, I think the Old Firm derby took a little bit of a back seat because of what happened to Rangers on the Thursday night and the racism issue and, the, and, and Rangers already winning the league. It just looked like a, a little bit of a game that nobody really wanted to lose. Nobody really did enough to win the game and 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 the, and the tackles which normally happen by Scott Brown. The, the, the desire, you know what I mean? I didn't really see that in that game. Whereas um, the South Wales derby, I add that and more, you know what I mean? Teams and players trying to hurt each other, um, trying to beat each other, trying to win the game, trying to run each other and steamroll each other. That's the way it should be. Yes, it's not the same because fans aren't there. But the result and the game meant so much more in Wales to me, in my opinion, because the game had much more on it. You know what I mean? Uh, would that game have had a little bit more on it if Rangers hadn't won the league? I agree. I think it would have done. Um, but for me, in that opinion, that was just another game. Okay, so you got like five times up now. So one thing I'd say quickly on that is, um, I think with Celtic and Rangers, there's a genuine uh, like a dislike between the playing squads and the staff. There's there's a bit of needle there, regardless of whether the fans are there or not. I doubt. I don't believe that that's there for many other derbies in the UK, really, unless they're competing for the same trophy or promotion or relegation or whatever it may be like yes they want to win for the fans etc but I don't I don't believe that there's the same needle that you get in the old firm derby because they just genuinely don't like each other well, so it's, that, it's that noise religion and, yeah. yeah it's that noise it's the it's the it's the noise at Celtic Park you know what I mean when the players are coming out and Celtic do the huddle um, you know what I mean and, and it's just a they need the fans at that game. The fans make and break that game. You know what I mean? Because of because of the sixty thousand fans there. You know what I mean? It it would have been intimidating for for Cardiff, I think, to go into Swansea at the weekend. I think there would have been a lot more pressure on them with fans being there. Um, mm. But obviously glad there wasn't because Cardiff played with freedom. They played with um, no fear. Uh, and just for me, they enjoyed the game. They started great and, and grew into the game, got better, um, and then died off a little bit in the second half. But got got the job done. Didn't 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 lose. Couldn't afford to lose and got what they needed. Indeed. You spoke for about two minutes there, Andy. Like, there's no need to speak now. Stealing the thunder. I've given you some ideas now, though. I've given you some ideas. There, there's literally no points left for you to make. For the well, there is. There is. There is. I was like, I was Hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Start your, start your, start your clock. So, so your 15 seconds starts now. No, it's 16 seconds. Go. No, I was quite disappointed with the Guard of Honor. I thought that might have. 
took place, I thought it was quite disappointing, to be honest. I know I was meant to speak to Andy about it before. Uh, but like you say, the, with the fans not being, I don't, I, I don't know if the passion was there. I know we played in local derbies before at clubs and things, and there's nothing better than the fans doing up. And they're probably the 12th man and things. Uh, I've witnessed the Rangers Celtic derby, incredible. But like you say, when you're watching on TV, it's totally different. And like Andrew was saying there about the tackles and the importance, I think Rangers had a mindset of maybe just going for the draw. Uh, if the fans were there, maybe Celtic would have gone for the win. But for me, it's just not the same whatsoever. It's killing the game with uh, no fans in whatsoever. Indeed, I'll give you that ten seconds to go. That's uh, that's a that's a much better effort. Uh, yeah, that's good, acceptable. Um, I also, good. also the, one of the, one of the points that I was I was going to make. Um, mm. Scott Brown, Scott Brown, notoriously just, just, just kicks and hits everything. You know, what uh, I mean? no, he, exactly he, know he normally does it. And, and, and the one thing that he did before the game for me, he diffused everything with a, with a handshake before the game. That you know, what I mean, a normal Scott Brown. Yes, I'm respecting for doing it, but for me, I'd like to see him smash Kamara and then shake his hand because for me that would that would enlighten the game and it would have made the game better. You know, what I mean, if it wasn't for those two goals, which were both very good goals by the way, the game would have been dull and boring. And that's the first probably old firm game I've, I've found to watching it. Being bored and dull, you know what I mean. I, I, you don't normally see it. Newcastle Sunderland derbies, Merseyside derbies, Manchester derbies, um, Cardiff derbies, North London derbies—all these derbies you want to see. You want to see guts and thunder and some happening and a, and a bad tackle. It gets the fans going. You know what I mean. Middlesbrough don't really have a derby. I remember, remember watching Middlesbrough against Leeds. You know what I mean? Because obviously the, the hatred there with the supporters is 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 quite big. And I remember. I remember Adam Clayton did a tackle in the first 30 seconds. It was probably one of the worst tackles I've seen. Because you do it early, you get away with it. And it got the crowd up so much, it was scary. And by the time the five minutes stage, six minutes stage, you've got yourself a goal because of the, the, the crowd sucked the, sucked the ball in. You know what I mean? It's, a tackle sometimes is just as good as a, as a goal. I thought you were going to talk about you scoring in the derby there, Andy. I thought that's what you were going to go on about. Oh, no. No, no, no. Not, not yet. I'll talk about it soon. Um, your dad made a comment. Um, I missed it earlier. It was about the Magnificent Seven and the greatest Englishman who ever lived. And uh, Neil, when Andy did it, he picked his dad or your dad. And uh, <laughs> I don't know whether I don't know what your dad is saying, but he said Andy. Andy picked his dad. So I don't know. You know, maybe uh, maybe they're going to revisit the uh, the number one son branding. I'm not sure. Um, well, that's it. Yeah. So um, I've got a question first and foremost. Um, Neil, do you also dislike Dave Jones because of the way he treated Andy Campbell? <laughs> what did he did he treat him bad? Yeah, apparently so. I haven't heard, but we haven't heard about it before. Like it's not as if he's no, like bang bangs on no. about it. I don't think I've heard much about it to be honest. I, I thought they I were really good friends. I haven't tweeted. I haven't tweeted about it for a good f- four years. That's because you have got a podcast now and you talk about it every week. <laughs> 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 but does it? All right, I'll put it another way. Like, as the old, as a, a brother, whether older or younger, like if you see something like that with your younger brother, it's clearly bothering him, it's upsetting him, it's getting to him day to day. He's training with the kids. Like, how does that make you feel as the older brother? Yeah, because as the older brother, you want to look after your younger brother. Uh, I know he's not that young now, but you do, you do, you have that mentality of like looking after him. And it's very disappointing because, like you say, uh, the same happened with Kevin Ellison last week. Uh, how he was training with the kids and he scored and he went up to the manager. Was it right or wrong? It's hard to say, but I probably might have had the same mentality of him going celebrating up to the manager and thinking, 
yeah, unlucky that shouldn't have happened. Uh, but it's it's it shouldn't happen nowadays. Like if someone doesn't want someone, they're still trained, they respect each other, and they go on the transfer list and they go out on loan, whatever. But the way some of the managers treat them, because in the workplace that would not happen, it can't happen. But in football, it does. But why does it though? Why 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 does it like you say there? It's it's not. It's not accepted in any other workplace, but within football, it's accepted, and you're allowed to do it. You know what I mean? If you worked in a, if you worked in a school, would you be, would yeah. you, would, would, would you be allowed, or a bank, would you be, would be expected to go and sit on your own? Would you be? It's discrimination. You know what I mean? So it, because it happens in football, it's, it's, it's accepted, it's allowed. Yeah. I, I just it baffles me. Yeah, and it shouldn't be. Maybe it's because of the uh, legalisation and things like that, and the HR that are involved in work and things like that in football. Is HR ever mentioned in football, or any policies or anything like that? The straight, the only quickest way you could go to was the FA or the PFA, wasn't it, to get guidance? But even they couldn't do anything, and it's probably still going on now. I bet there's many footballers that could come on here and say, "I've been singled out. I've been treated like this. I'm training on my own." And especially yeah, with like, the, yeah, with them, uh, the well-being and um, like everything like that, it's just. It, it is discrimination, and it, it can't happen. But I think it'll always happen. Well, last last week, I, I see I, I spoke to Sai on uh, on Sunday. Once, obviously, once the incident happened on the Saturday with with Kevin, and I I, I spoke to Kev because I, I thought he was going to get a little bit of abuse, and I thought, you know what I mean? I thought if I give him a little bit of support and tell him that I'd been there, and then obviously the floods of, of of support came in, and everyone backed him and said I've been in that situation, and blah blah blah, and this and that, and whatever. And I thought, Do you know what? There's more people who don't speak about it. You know what I mean? And we're on about a, a time of mental health. We're on about a time of, of being outspoken and, 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 and talking about your feelings and being positive. And, um, but then you've got an experienced manager side who's played the game of football. You know what I mean? I'm about Dave Jones who's been there, wore the T-shirt as a player, as a manager, as a coach, as a professional person. I'm on about, um, you know what I mean, the manager at Morecambe, manager, manager at Tottenham, manager anywhere in the, in the world. You know what I mean? If you're doing that to a player, has somebody done it to you? Are you doing something when yeah. somebody's done it to you? You know what I mean? I would never do it to somebody else because it's happened to me. But that's a personal thing. So, like, my theory is if it was a, like, kind of like what you guys just said there, any other job in the world, if you treated people like that, you'd be, you'd get, like, some sort of disciplinary, you'd be in trouble, and you'd, and that person would probably end up getting a, a boatload of compensation because you can't treat people like that. You can't, like, just decide one day that, you don't want them, and you're going to just chuck them away to the side. Um, one issue with it, and Reese makes a good point there. He says, "Problem is, a manager can always use the defence of I treated him like this to, to get him to train harder and prove me wrong, or they'll or they'll say that they're badly influencing team spirit or this, or they're being disruptive." But at the end of the day, like we talked about it with Kevin Ellison, it's like you know, just have a bit of respect for people, and, and if they're genuinely causing a problem, then that's different. But if it's, if it's just because you yeah. don't fancy them. If it's a means to an end side, listen, and, and you don't want them in and around the first team squad because they're leaving and you want them out, then I've got no problem with that. You know what I mean? If, if, if people are honest and, 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 they, and they want you out, you know what I mean? If, if Cardiff City had told me, um, the way the Middlesbrough told me, Middlesbrough told me that I wasn't in the plan, so we trained as a small group. I wasn't on my own. I was training with other pros who were told in the same boat that they weren't playing. And I respected Steve McLaren more. Because he was open and honest with me. Yes, he called me back and he pulled me back in, but um, Dave handled things a little bit differently, which is his prerogative, and his he had the, he had the right to do that. Excuse me, well, I didn't agree with him. Yeah, Solskjaer told Kev like over his as he was getting his food, <laughs> like in the canteen, he was mm. getting his food served to him, and he came and told him like 
as you do. It's nice of him. Yeah. But like, yeah, you know, there's a way to do it in there at the end of the day. Um, it is what it is, I guess. But you'd like to think that it's not going to keep happening to people. But I'm no. interested, though, by like, because like, obviously you've talked about like how it affected you at the time and it was difficult and it was causing issues with you away from football because it was, you know, as it would, it would get to you. So I was kind of interested in like, you know, how your, your brother, your family felt because it must be, especially because you weren't at like your neck of the woods. You were yeah. in God's country, you know, doing stuff and it's, it's got to be difficult. Yeah. Um, what did, uh, what, Neil, what did you think uh, when Andy decided to leave Borough and move to uh, God's country? Uh, I think it was a great opportunity. I think it's quite hard for homegrown uh, talent anywhere it is. I think not only for progression, uh, I'm going to be quite selfish here, uh, money-wise, contracts, uh, if you're at a club uh, as a young lad, Andy will know, you're probably on the minimum wages that everyone else is. So coming in on millions of pounds. Uh, so financially, it's great for him. And to be playing first-team football. Uh, he's learned his trade. Uh, done things like that. It's a tough one because you love the hometown club. Like he loves Middlesbrough, he lives in Middlesbrough. Mm. Everything's there. But I think the opportunity and for his loan spell that he was there, like he took it with two hands. Really, I've never seen him score so many goals. Never but I think it's so many since. <laughs> no, I haven't. Like, <laughs> I, think, I think it's easy though, side because when you've got when you've got a brother and, and you know, what I mean, this is and this is this is the point I'm gonna I'm gonna put across tonight. Obviously, we spoke before we came on that. The selfish point and part of me growing up and playing football was I knew exactly where my path was going to go in a way that um, that my brother was a professional footballer before I was. He was at YTS before I was. So I knew every progression. I knew every step what was in front of me. I knew the obstacles. I knew the good. I knew the bad. I knew the ugly. Um, and for me, it made it easier. So I knew what happened when you when you got transferred to a club. I knew what happened when you got released by a club. I knew what happened when you got dropped. I knew what happened when you made your debut. I knew exactly what was going to happen because Neil had already done it before me so it was it was brilliant you know what I mean it was it made so, it, it made it so easy for me joking aside like was it um, you said it was easier would you go to your brother at the time and ask him questions about whether you know whether things like transfers or the next step or what if you were maybe in line for your first full time contract things like that would you bend his ear about stuff like yeah, that when you were younger course. yeah of course listen I, I uh, obviously there's I think this is two school years difference to us. So obviously Neil signed um, for York City on YTS. Um, obviously my YTS was thirty-two point fifty. I'm sure Neil's was less than mine. So I was I was on mega money. Um, Twenty Neil, Neil was on twenty-seven pounds fifty. Twenty-seven fifty buzzing. Um, so you know I was on a five or more. So I knew about jobs. I knew how important the jobs were. Neil told me, listen. He said your football is important, but you need to impress on and off the pitch. So if you impress your manager, who's Dave Geddes at the time. Um, exit switch winger um, top lad top fella um, but impress him off the pitch as well as on the pitch you go a long way so I had, I had that mentality you know what I mean to clean boots like I was the best boot cleaner in the world I was cleaning floors like I was the best floor cleaner in the world but then when I went on the pitch I had the same mentality I won off the pitch I won off the pitch and that's and that was learning by by Neil doing jobs Neil lived in a, ho not a hotel like a um, like a, um, a digs with loads of other players run by um, the mum and dad of um, the manager at the time, mm. uh, Alan Little, at York City. So it was, you know, what I mean, that was different to what I was doing. I was living at home, so that was one difference that I could never relate to. But yeah. Neil left home at sixteen. I never had to. That's leave hard. Home, I was, that is. 
yeah, I know. So I was, I was, I was very lucky. You know what I mean? So I lived, in, I lived at mum and dad's, and 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 very lucky. Everything was given to me. I was driven everywhere. I was, you know what I mean? I was, I was so fortunate. It was scary where mm. Neil had to leave once he left school. A few months later, up sticks, go and live in a in a room with other people. Obviously, John O'Green and Darren Williams, who've been on the show before, have obviously told us some stories and things. But but these are these are young lads, and these are thrust upon a a career which they they all wanted, but in an environment which is so cutthroat and so so difficult to um, to comprehend and, and accept sometimes because there's not many people do make it as professional footballers even at that time it was, it was difficult no um, so Neil I got some questions about that and the digs I want to get to but Andy just mentioned York City and um, I feel that you know being the professional that I am I'm very good at making links and John Kamara said earlier on he said uh, the York City story is a must so I <laughs> get this brought up as soon as possible um, I didn't bring it up I just got Andy to bring it up instead. Uh, so tell us the York City story. Sorry, before 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 he tells it, that, I think that's great teamwork, by the way, because all I did is just pass you pass you the grenade and you throw them. That's great. Yes, that's, 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 what, that's, what, we're, that's what we're about. I take I take the blame. You set them up. Yeah, I'll tell you my version. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> I bet he's got a total different, totally different version. Uh, but I think I always remember. I think I was. I think I just signed first year pro. I think and, and I think you was, well, was just coming through the YT and just coming through in the first team. Yeah, it was. Yeah, I was. Uh, it was pre-season, wasn't it? The first. Yeah, first yeah. For me. Yeah. So full crowd, probably six or seven thousand there, full capacity. Uh, I started up front against Middlesbrough, so I think I played against like Nigel Pearson and all that, and everyone else. Andy was sub, and I remember us joking before the game, having a laugh in the house and things, and on the phone, and just having a bit of banter. Uh, if he came on, uh, would we speak to each other? Would we speak to each other before the game, after the game? And he came on, I think, just at half time, or was it mid midway through the half? Uh, I was playing centre forward, and I think Andy came back for the ball. And this is what I remember happening. I think I was chasing the fullback, and then I ended up chasing him. But I think he took a bad touch, and I, I think I went to ground. And actually, accidentally clipped him into the <laughs> boards, and he hit the boards. And the referee came over. Everyone came over. Brian Robson, Effin, and Jeff didn't left. Is that you're meant to be your brother? I was like, I didn't really hit him that hard, to be honest. I didn't think the referee came over. I didn't actually get sent off. The referee just asked me to leave. So because when I got a red card, I'd have been suspended for the start of the season. So I just got asked to leave. And as I passed. Brian Robson, Viv Anderson, they give me a right mouthful. My manager, Alan Little, just patted me on my back and went, I'd have done the same, son. Excellent. So, I, I do like that the fact that you got sent off without being sent off. It was just a please leave the field. A, it was a pre-season game, so I know, it was, um, still. It was a pre-season game. We, it, listen, it was, I'm sure it was Alan Little's testimonial. Yeah, I think it was his testimonial. Right? Yeah, I think it was. Sent off with a testimonial. Mm. So Alan Little was Good Alan Little testimonial, and um, and yeah. the full crowd was because um, we had um, we had the you had famous else. we had the famous Becquero from Barcelona came on trial in Middlesbrough, and uh, Becquero played uh, full ninety minutes centre midfield, spraying balls around, um, and we just we just we just flew up flew back from Milan the, the night before or the, or the that morning to play the play the game on the night, and uh, obviously I wasn't expecting to be involved, and when the gaffer told me that I was going to be sober, I was thinking, well, so right, I've had a tough couple of weeks, we've had a really tough training camp. Um, and then when the gaffer told me to come on, I was I was playing on their side side, so it was it was it was quite simple, you know what I mean? I, the gaffer was like a 
you know what I mean? He, he, I was under his wing, you know what I mean? He was looking after me. There was there was Viv, there was Gordon McQueen as well on the bench uh, and the gaffer. Um, and when Neil did the tackle, he couldn't, have, he probably couldn't have timed it in a worse position. It was right in front of the dugout, in front of those three. And to be honest, there's three people who you don't want to mess with in football. It's them three. Them three together are absolute <laughs> lunatics. You know what I mean? They're lovely, lovely fellas, but you know what I mean? You, you cross them. They are absolute loonies. And, um, and I think that, that what happened straight after the tackle was, um, yeah, it was, it was, there was them backing me. Neil got backed by his team. You know what I mean? His manager loved what he did, but my manager loved what I was doing. So it was, it was absolute chaos. One thing I do remember, though, I remember, I remember going back home after the game. Cause it was a, I'm sure it was a Friday night because uh, it was a yeah, night was. game. And uh, obviously, mum and dad had, had came to watch the game and, and we went back home Neil came back home for the weekend to uh, to live back in Martin my mum and dad's house and uh, I remember we sat in the front room on the evening very awkward, <laughs> is, that, very is, awkward. This, is this true this pit we just Good had enough. like four or five comments you know, scrolling was, down I was, about I was still, family I was still meetings the, fighting the, the tunnel I was still on the stretcher um, so now I'm enjoying um, so we went back went back to mum and dad's house and uh, and it was very uncomfortable no, no one was speaking to each other so we were sat there it was, it was, you know what I mean and, and uh, my mum said the first word and basically she just threatened him and said listen you do that to your brother again you're getting kicked out I just I just thought it was the funniest thing in the world and just and just it just made my made my night and just um, but then it didn't stop there by the way because two weeks later um, we we managed uh, not all, uh, somehow uh, we played against each other in, uh, in, uh, in my reply to man was my reply to man was I'll hit him harder next time yeah, but we did we did we did get to play each other two weeks um, two weeks later in a in a, yeah, in a did, North yeah. Riding North Riding Cup final, and um, and obviously the, the day before the manager told me that I was going to start. He knew Neil was he knew Neil was starting because York put the first team out, so Neil was obviously going to start. Um, I played centre forward. I think Neil played on the right or something. So we didn't really get anywhere near each other that that day. But we had we had Ravenelli. Um, Oh, we had we had we had a top Paul Merson. We had we had an unbelievable side out. You know what I mean? We ended up winning three one. I scored two goals. So I did I did me did me talking with my feet. Didn't need, didn't yeah. need to go anywhere near. Uh, well, you got your knees all Ravenelli to try and start me, and I saw. Yeah. Him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, got the big boys to help me out. So I want to go back to um to the uh, to the YTS stuff a minute. But first of all, um, Riverside sent in a question. I think it's for you, Andy. But I'm going to redirect it and reword it slightly, and I'm going to put it to Neil. Uh, so his question was, so if it wasn't for Neil, would you have been as successful? But I'm going to say, Neil, if it wasn't for you, would Andy have been as successful as he was? Yeah, he's, he's got the mentality. Like, question. It, yeah, it, it is a good yeah, question. It, you know what? He wasn't the brightest button at school. Like, we both <laughs> weren't. Do you know what I mean? But we, honestly... <laughs> We played so much football, it was untrue, and we wanted to be footballers. Like, I remember speaking to Andy about our neighbours used to come knocking on my mum and dad's door all the time, going, would you get these kids in bed, stop kicking the ball against the garage? I think between us, we must have broke, what, four or five windows in the house completely. It must have cost my mum and dad a fortune. They took us everywhere, but no, like, fair play, Andy, was, he started football a lot younger than me and impressed at an early age. And with the mentality that he has got and the pace that he had, by the way, like I've probably not seen anyone, and this is not just because I'm on the shore, I've never seen someone as quick as Andy as what the age was. Like he was frightening. You could tell from a mile off just watching him play. And to be honest, that was one thing I was jealous of. And to be honest, I tried to slow him down in that York game, and that's probably why I had to go. But honestly, pace wise, frightening. Excellent, I like it. So Andy mentioned um, back being when you moved out at age sixteen. Like, 
I moved out quite early myself. Like I think I moved out for the first time at about eighteen, and that 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 was hard. I also got stitched up by my housemates, but that's another another story altogether. Um, like that's really difficult to. I know you were sharing a house, but that's so like sixteen is so young to leave your parents and um, like your parents giving you a lift to football or or you know cooking your meals, whatever it may be. Like that, just that support being there. Like I know you still would have had support from your parents and stuff, obviously, but like just having it within your household is a big thing. Like how difficult was that to leave home at sixteen? Oh, and also, had- sorry, mate. Did your parents were they like happy with it? That you left the sixteen, or would they have preferred you to stay at home? Uh, to be honest, I remember the story like happening because uh, I didn't really get picked up when I was younger. It was like I wasn't picked up till like I was sixteen. I know Andy got picked up uh, probably ten year old or something. So I was quite late. Uh, got spotted by the scout and started training with York. But literally, I finished my exams something like the twenty fifth, twenty sixth of June, and I went straight to York on a two year YTS. Uh, Mum and Dad really pleased me. I'm guessing my mum probably cried. My dad is probably jumping up and down, maybe. I think in the A's only got one more child to, to look after. But literally, it was one of the hardest things I've ever, ever done. And moving away from home, taking clothes, cooking for yourself, like working full time, getting paid. Like that wages, when I think about it, was scary. And to be honest, after a couple of weeks, I came home and I remember speaking to my dad in the front room and I was just quiet watching TV. And he was like, you all right? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And he said, no, what's wrong? And I said, I don't want to be a footballer. I, I don't like this. don't like living away from home. And he said, you've only been there two weeks. And I remember giving him a kick up the backside, saying, look, give it another two weeks. If you don't like it, come out of football. And I'd never look back, to be honest. And if he hadn't have said that, I wouldn't have been where I am at this moment. Uh, best thing he ever did. But, yeah, moving away at 16, like, it was horrendous, really. And, and I don't think you realise how big of a thing it is. Hmm. I think to, I think also from, from my point of view it was like you know what I mean one minute you've got your brother there you've got somebody who you look up to you've got somebody who um, you know what I mean who's been looking after you for so long and then all of a sudden he's gone and he's he's he comes back one day a week and then goes back tomorrow and then goes back the next day and you know what I mean he talk, spoke about mum there and um, she was devastated that, that he'd gone you know what I mean it's different for dad because dad was more of a um, it, what, it, the only way to progress was to go and live away so you know what I mean you know yourself sometimes mm. you've got to go away you know what I mean and, that, and that's what you know what I mean, and that's what I learned. That's one thing in Ireland that I, I had loads of friends at Middlesbrough who didn't ever want to move, and that's for me that hindered their football career. And when you look back, when you look back at your career, I've got no regrets because I moved away. You know what I mean, and that's what that's what you've got to do. You know what I mean? Well, I know we'll speak about some of Neil's other moves. He moved further down the country than I ever did, um, but it's it was it was so easy for me to do it because I'd watched Neil do it you know what I mean so I knew exactly what, what, what it was what was entailed what was what, what was what was available to people and you know what I mean yes parents are, are disappointing but, but proud as well proud that you can stand on your own two feet proud that you're going to do something that you love proud that you're that you're making a name for yourself that you're making something of your life and doing something that, that it's a once in a lifetime opportunity and I think if you didn't make that transition Neil and you didn't do that um, didn't do that huge jump yourself. I think you'd have regretted it all your life. You know what I mean? Because you could never yeah. look at your boys in the face and go, you know what I mean? You need to stand on your own two feet. You need to do this. And, and they just turn and it and is, go, oh, it's hard. Just, it's you like, know what I mean? Yeah. So it's, you can't do that. You it, never do that. It is hard. And like say, 16 year old, like cooking for yourself, like doing your own washing, your own ironing, managing your own money. Like it, it sounds good at 16, but it's so, 
so difficult. I've never, I lived off pot noodles for two years. Like honestly, I did. Mm-hmm. Like that was just the way it was, and no one taught you anything. You were just left there and just went. You're going to York City on the first of July. This is what you're doing. This is what you're getting paid, and you just it's just left here. And you're like, wow, we're nine or five by the way. As well, yeah. it's not it's not a short time. Like it's long hours. Yeah, and, uh, and I think and I think this is what people think. So people think, oh, footballer, you know, I mean, young footballers, you know, I mean, they only need a couple of hours a day. You know, I mean, you go, and I don't know if people know what York City's old ground was like, Booth and Crescent. It was one of the old. It was it was situated in a in the street houses. It was very old. It was it was decrepit. It was it needed cleaning every day just to look after decent. Um, you know what I mean? So that same as Essen Park and, and Ninian Park, you'd go in eight o'clock in the morning. You'd, you'd tidy up before training. You'd train. You tidy up after training. You do your boots and stuff. And then potentially there's a reserve game or there's a first team game on the night. So you you're working from eight o'clock in the morning until eleven o'clock at night, and then going to bed and getting back up to do it again. And it's it's just it's never ending. You know what I mean? And then you think, I oh, look forward to Friday's payday, and then yeah. you get your twenty-seven pound fifty and think, oh, is it worth it? And, yeah, it is worth it because and, you're doing something you love, but it's and doing something with, with your friends and your colleagues and your peers, but it's. It's, it's and that's hard the work. thing, like, yeah, you'd be dragged into the reserve team, so you'd clean up in the morning, you'd train, go home, have some pre-match, you'd play the game, and then you'd be cleaning up after the game, and it'd be just like, I don't think people realise, like, how difficult and how hard it can be, and then you'd be training the next day with the YTs again, or dragged into the outside of the first team, so there was no break whatsoever, the only day off you got was a Sunday. Neil, Andy mentioned, obviously, that... Um you giving him advice and you you helped him along the way particularly when he was younger did you ever have you ever given him bad advice whether it was intentional or unintentional <laughs> have i given him bad advice yeah uh probably in the pub a few times have a last pint yeah have another yeah have another <laughs> we'll have one for the road i don't know if it's bad advice but uh i know i've always liked like he says he's looked up to me. I've looked up to him with his career and thought, yeah, I can progress and and further my career and things like that. But it's a bad advice. It, it's quite difficult in football because you don't know what is right, what is wrong, what can lead, what map is on the road. It's quite a difficult one, and and it be fair, isn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I think um, and uh, for me, I think uh, football wise, it was probably only until Neil Sam South End. You know what I mean? I was so proud of the move because it. it, it for me, it, it made him stand on his own two feet. You know what I mean? He was, you know what I mean? Yes, he's been a professional at, at Scarborough. You know what I mean? But he made a name for himself, done really well. But for me, that was his first step to go to uh, a, a brand new place, a new area, um, somewhere which is which is a really nice place to live. Because I went down there um, a couple of times on the weekend, which was great to to go. I never got to watch a game, unfortunately, because of the, obviously the way that my games were panning out. But I'm so proud to go down there and and see where he lived and and, and just. Just to just just to be a part of his life, you know what I mean, and, and and just be able to help him if I could, if it with any advice and, and vice versa, you know what I mean, because it was, I think it was an international weekend and I, I ended up coming down, so I didn't play. Yeah, I yeah. think I think Neil was Neil, Neil was coming back from a game, so we just crossed paths and then we seen each other on the night. Had a had a night out and, and caught up before I travelled back to go back to work the next day, and it was it was such a nice time. But I was so proud that you know what I mean, the the the, the, the way that he was playing, the doors that were opening, and I'm going to go on my next point. Um, um, after because we're going to do some questions from the uh, from the group chat because we've had a we've had a super chat side as well so um, oh yeah I, I don't wanna, I am, I don't wanna, I'm so don't glad you're on 
so glad you reminded me of that because I Thanks. would have forgotten. Um, obviously, super chat, super chat to take precedent. Oh, there's a big one as well. Nice one, Gaz. Uh, he says, "Congrats, Sai, on great work recently and nearly two and a half thousand subs." That is correct. Uh, he said, first two episodes of my story were great, especially the one with Jess from Black Diamond." It was good. She was. Uh, it was. Really it was, excellent. It was uh, Listen, if, if anybody, if anybody hasn't watched it, by the way, Jess was Jess was amazing. Spoke really well. Sai was all right as well, by the way. But he was no, it was a great show. Always. I got a, and got some blinding guests for the next couple of weeks as well. Some really good, uh, interesting guests to uh, to get into their stories. Um, one of but which my, has uh, met Pele. So there we go. Oh, no, but my, my my point about South Inside that Neil got. Yeah. Uh, not many Change, people know this. It's a game changer. But, um, like. Yeah, but not many people know this. But uh, but Neil got an opportunity to uh, to go on trial at a, at a Premier League club. Um, when he was at uh, when he was at South End, and it was uh, it was it was a real opportunity. Neil, tell tell everybody what. What, what, how the opportunity came around and, and, and what happened when that opportunity arose? Yeah, so I was playing for Scarborough at the time, uh, scored quite a few goals. Uh, South End had been sniffing about. And then I got a phone call after, I think it was after the Torquay game. And uh, Mick Wadsworth said, Oh, uh, West Ham are interested. Uh, the manager's phoning you up. And I was thinking, nah, He's winding me up here. He said, No, oh, Harry Redknapp's going to phone you. So I was going home, phone's ringing, answer the phone. Harry Redknapp, I was like, someone's winding me up. Absolutely winding me up here. So he said, uh, you're going to come on trial next week. Uh, we were playing Macclesfield on the Saturday. Uh, played Macclesfield on the Saturday. Came off of the groin injury. Uh, obviously missed my trial. Absolutely devastated. But that's how the South End uh, move came about with Alvin Martin. West Ham were, obviously South End were the feeder club for West Ham. West Ham feeder club for South End. That's how Alvin Martin got in touch. He said he spoke to Harry Redknapp, and then things moved from there, really. But South End, what a lovely club! Uh, how did that? How did that make you feel, Neil? Also, sorry, but how did that make you feel, though? Because that that that, oh. that opportunity, you know, what I mean, doesn't come around very often. You know, what I mean, you speak there about so flippantly there about, um, you know, what I mean, about a groin injury and about about this opportunity. But that 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 is every schoolboy's dream. You know, what I mean, Harry Redknapp, massive manager. The way that West Ham side at the time were bringing through the the young the young kids of. The Joe Coles, the Rios, um, you know what I mean, and the players they had as well. You know what I mean, and the Coffers, the Franks. You know what I mean. The, how did that? How did it make you feel mentally? And how did it, you get over honest, it? It, it affected me quite a lot because I think I was out for three or four weeks. Uh, so as you know, as managers, you get forgotten about quite quickly uh, if you're not on the limelight. Uh, actually, seen the team doctor. I needed a hernia operation. Uh, which was bad news, but obviously with a hernia, you know you can carry on. We both had these operations, so I tried to carry on, and you're just not the same player. Like you're really not. You're pulling. You're not training as much. You're not training as hard. You can feel it all the time. You're twinging. Like you're just not playing how you should do. <sighs> it was quite a low point because there's nothing worse than being injured at a football club, especially when you think that's your chance to hit the Premiership. And I could see where you were, but it took me. A good six months, got the hernia operation done, and restructured my move to South End. And it was one thing that Alvin Martin said was that West Ham move is still there, it's still possible, and that was one of the reasons for signing for South End. But obviously, with injuries and other moves, other transfers happening, it just never came about in the end. That must be difficult to deal with because you know the history and everything with that club and the size of that club. That's like that that big opportunity, which you don't know if is it you know for any player when that 
big club comes in, you don't know if that opportunity is going to come come again. And that's why so many footballers do jump when the Premier League clubs come in or a big club comes in because they're obviously concerned that it's not going to happen a second time or they won't come back if they turn them down. Like, was that something afterwards that you would try and like work back towards? Like, um, I don't know how to word it really. Like, obviously it must have been a big blow, as you say, but was it something which you were trying to sort of rekindle afterwards? I suppose yeah, you always, it, yeah, you always think after uh, I'll get fitter and stronger, I'll have another go at it. Like, obviously, being down south, you think you're probably more in the limelight than you are in the north. Uh, I think the north's more passionate with football, but in the down south, there's a lot more publicity and things, and everyone talks about it's just massive down more south. More opportunities, like, more opportunities. Yeah, it's, it's huge. Like, you don't realise that when I moved down there, how big it is and how close it was to London, and everything just opens up. But you you always do think in the back of your mind, was that my chance? Has it gone? And unfortunately, it, it's one thing, like, it just wasn't meant to be. Like, I always think if I miss that game, like, like could I pretend to be injured? Like, you think of things like this and it just grows around in your mind. Like, should I even played? Should the gaffer even just said, you know what, you're not playing this week. You've got a, a potential move for next week. You've got a week's trial. If you impress, they get the money. So they will have been disappointed because I don't know what the fee would have been. Uh, I'm guessing it would have been a small fee, but a lot of add-ons, I'm guessing. Uh, and the, the position Scarborough financially, that would have been mega uh, money for them. Because like you say, I only signed from York to Scarborough for 15000 and there was no clause on that either. So York would have got nothing. But yeah, it, you get things in life. So there's a lot of ups and downs, probably more da- downs than ups in football. And it's quite hard to take, I would say. One thing that obviously you, you, you spoke about um, about the Scarborough time, um, something happened um, right at the end of the Scarborough time um, in a certain game, which obviously when you when, when you watch a goalkeeper scoring a goal for a certain team, uh, it, it, it's quite interesting. Isn't it? You know what I mean? But when it, you know what I mean, I, I don't know if anybody knows the story that I'm talking about is Jimmy Glass scored a goal for Carlisle United to keep Carlisle United in the Football League um, in 1999. I think it was. Um, obviously, Neil, Neil was playing for Scarborough at the time. Neil, tell everybody what it was like to be involved in uh, that kind of environment, that kind of game, because, you know what I mean, obviously it affected you and affected your job and affected loads of other people's jobs as well, by the way. Yeah, it's, it's it, it, unbelievable scene, to be fair. Like, I've never known. It'll, it'll never happen again, I, I can imagine. Uh, devastation for both the club, the players, all the hard work they've done to lose to an injury time goal not only to a, a, an outfield player, but to a goalkeeper. Like when you, it, where where were you? Where were you when you heard what I just, happened? I just left, so I just joined Southend. So oh, okay. uh, I tell you who was there, and Nathan Jones I know was Nathan, on yeah. loan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he he was at uh, Southend with me, and it, we'd obviously I'd gone there, and they took a couple of loan players, but everyone was saying, "Oh, Neil Campbell's jump ship," but I hadn't. Scarborough were going to fold financially if I hadn't moved anyway. Mm. So I kind of helped them a bit. Well, I thought I did. Uh, you would have like, you, you done if they hadn't gone down? Yes, if they hadn't gone down. Uh, a lot of them blame me for me not staying there and trying to keep them up. But honestly, when I, I think we played, I, I think we were at Plymouth or something. And I remember some of the lads saying on the uh, bus, uh, Scarborough have gone down. I went, they're kind of like, when, we, when I was looking 
at the scores and people were saying and fans were saying, oh, they were safe and everything. And then to lose, I, 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 I don't even remember what minute. Was it 95th, 96th minute? Uh, like Scarborough, Scarborough fans were actually celebrating on the pitch mm. that they were staying up. And the atmosphere just changed. You mentioned uh, you, you, you mentioned there though. You mentioned there about people blaming you for leaving because you've got you've you've obviously because I know because we went to play a charity game for Scarborough last last year the year before, a couple of years ago because well, yeah, COVID's yeah. been around the year, hasn't it? So a couple of years ago, and you've and you're still held in high esteem by the fans, the club, the the, the staff who were still there. So who who was it then who who said that you jumped ship? Was it was it was it fellow players? Was it? Uh, no, to be honest, the players were really really good and positive. To be honest. Uh, the story was they were struggling financially. It was Christmas time. Colchester came in for me New Year's Day. My dad drove me up. I had a medical, tried to agree terms. Mick Wadsworth told me over the phone, you need to agree terms so the lads can get paid over Christmas. I was That's like, a lot of pressure, that is. I it? was like, wow. Colchester were in the second, the old second division, Scarborough in the third division yeah, yeah. here. So for me, I was going up a division, I was going down south, everything was fine. The only side wanted to sign me on a year and a half contract and I wasn't willing to move on a year and a half contract. Uh, my dad on the way home, I remember stopping in the little chef and he was like, what's wrong? And I just went, it doesn't feel right, dad, like I, I can't do it. I remember uh, Steve Wignall phoning me up and saying, look, what did you think about the club? I said, the club's fine, the contract, I can't do it. And I said, we can't offer, that's all we've got. But like no players are on long contracts here. At Colchester, we're going forward, but I promise you, your contract will more than likely get extended. You know, in football, there's no promises. You do not know what's going to happen. So I remember Mick Wadsworth phoning me up and saying, I can't believe you've turned the contract down. Like, it's more money, better location. They've given you everything you wanted, and the lads aren't going to get paid. And I remember putting the phone down and going, Wow, I cannot believe you've given me that responsibility. I remember texting all the lads, explaining what had gone on. I was training the next day. The manager didn't even speak to me, totally ignored me. The lads were like, what's gone on? I was honest and truthful. Maybe I shouldn't have been that truthful. And the lads could understand. I think there was a few lads that were like, I can't believe that's happened. But to be honest, it turned out well because two weeks later, Southend came in. I know it was the same league, but they guaranteed my two and a half year contract. Better wages than I was getting out of Colchester the link with West Ham so really things happen for a reason I'm so pleased I stood up to the manager and the chairman at the time uh, do you know what it's 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 quite refreshing to hear that you know what I mean because I, I how many times has this happened how, how much peer pressure is put on players you know what I mean to to force players out of a club if you get yeah. told that players aren't going to get paid if you get told that um, people are going to lose their jobs if you don't move clubs you know what I mean it's listen you're, you're talking about someone's livelihood you're talking about someone's career they're you know friends I mean? as well isn't it you know what I mean you know? exactly teammates you know what I mean the, every move and listen there's 90 was a 91 92 professional football clubs in, in England um, in, in, in the top four leagues how there's a there's a team for everybody, you know what I mean. So, but it's got to be the right team, the right contract. You know, what I mean? if mm. that contract doesn't suit you, if that team's not right for you, you know what I mean. It might not be right for your family. It might not be the right. You know what I mean. It might be too far away. It might be too close. It might be that you want to move away. That you you're stuck in it for whatever reason. Managers can't dictate where people go. You know what I mean. It, 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 I, that really that really irritates me. That, that that people put that kind of pressure on you and um, and speak down on you um, with that kind of disrespect because. 
We're not pieces of meat. Players aren't pieces of meat either. They're the human beings no. with families, and, the human beings with wives, girlfriends, or whatever. You know what I mean? So I don't. I just. I just I, and the, and the thing was, it was a, it was a lot of pressure because we hadn't been paid for over Christmas, so we were four weeks behind our pay. So not only had I not been paid, the other lads hadn't been paid. So the fifteen thousand, because now they had the transfer embargo on, they we couldn't buy anyone. We couldn't get anyone on loan. No wages could get paid, and I was like. Wow, this is like, it's not just the players, it's the managers, it's the cooks, the cleaners, everyone's security, no one's being paid, and there's me going, I'm not moving. Did it happen to anybody else, Neil? Did, or was it, was it just you? Was anybody else put in the same position? Same no, I think I was like probably, there was quite a lot of experienced lads in there, so for, for a young lad at 21 year old, who had like nearly been to West Ham, I was like an asset to them. So that I'd already been touted about to a few clubs, but like you say, and I remember speaking to Mel Steen, uh, the agent, and he just said, "Stand your ground, don't even talk to them." And you know what Mel was like? He was like, "Don't you dare move." Super agent, yeah, super agent Mel. Why not? Um, let's do some questions from the chat because um, uh, there's a few people sent them in. Uh, Gavin asked. Uh, who's the better footballer, Andy or Neil Campbell? Um, <laughs> who would like to answer that question first? Uh, are we, we going to answer it? Are we going to answer it? Yeah, I, I'm not answering it. We spoke yeah. about this earlier. Listen, yeah, you can well, you define define best define best best out of Messi and Ronaldo. You know what I mean? They both got different attributes. You know what I mean? My my perfect striking partner would be Neil. You know what I mean? Could could I do what he did? No. It's not what he said to me yesterday, Neil. At all. You know what I mean? But Neil, it's Neil, not Neil, what he Neil, said. Neil, Neil could not do what I do. He could not. Um, he could not. He hasn't got. He hasn't got the attributes to do what I did, and vice versa. I haven't got the attributes to do what he could do. You know what I mean? The game. The, you know what I mean? The, the the amount of headers. You know what I mean? Holding the ball up. The things that I used to detest. You know what I mean? I, I had my best time at Cardiff City playing with Thorny and playing with Leo. You know what I mean? Because it was easy playing with the target man and those target men. The, the few and far between, you know what I mean? Yeah, you, mm. you know what I mean? And, and especially nowadays, you know, when you never see a target man, you know what I mean? It's very rare, you know what I mean? The, the Alan Shearers of this world, the Peter Crowds of this world, would they play regular now? Probably not. They'd probably come off the bench because to probably kill games off, it's it's a little centre forward who can run in behind or it's it's three behind one and you need to be a lot more, a lot more violent. You know what I mean? When there was 4 4 2, for me, it's perfect to play next to a target man to someone like Neil. But to answer your question, for me. Who is how much Neil? How much taller than Andy are you? What when I hit him, or just like normally, <laughs> well, just just general right. height? That's because he used I'm... to have a flat top. He used to have a flat top, right? His hair used to be about that thick. Yeah. I possibly someone, someone's put some comments about your fringe on it. Yeah, yeah. Someone put something about the bad advice. He said uh, Neil advised you to keep your fringe or something when you were uh, younger. Something like that. Yeah, I think it was. But like. Um, what do you think, Neil? Would you say the same thing about Andy, or would you confidently think, say you were the better footballer? I think I'm quite honest, right? And he's probably going to say no, he's not. I think I was a better footballer, but with his pace, <laughs> his pace, his pace in finishing was probably second to none. Like, why I think as a footballer, I was better. Right, I'm going to uh, I'm going to I'm going to pick someone out of the group chat to answer it. I want to know why why uh why Neil thinks that. Like what what um what attributes did you feel that I, were better than Andy's your bigger football brain? Everything really, but like you say pace and finishing and this and any any football if you've got that you've got a chance. But wouldn't that make him the better footballer? 
No, because you need the other things, don't you? Mentality, tackling, the physical presence, etc. Et so, red cards, yellow cards. You mentioned, you mentioned <laughs> mentality. So, do you think your mentality is superior, more superior to Andy's then? Yeah. Uh, mm, do you want me to answer this? I can, I, I can answer this bit a little bit, a little bit different though, side that. Yeah, go on. I've I've never I've seen a lot of players come and go. I've seen a lot of players in my in my lifetime. I've never really I've never really met anybody who's so different on the pitch to off the pitch to him. You know what I mean? That okay. You're not the I've never I've never come across someone who's you know what I mean? People say that you can change over that white line. This man changes into a, an absolute gorilla on the pitch and off the pitch. He wouldn't hurt a fly. You know what I mean? It, it, it can be mm. fun. But on the pitch, he's an absolute nightmare. Nightmare to play with. Nightmare to play against. Is he a moaner? Like when, yeah, when yeah, the ball yeah. doesn't come to him? or yeah. if, we're, if, we're, if, if we're losing, if we're not playing well, if we're not sharp enough, if we're not winning. But like Neil's just said, that's a mentality. It's a winning mentality. Yeah. He gets frustrated. You know what I mean? Which then falls onto everyone else's shoulders and so we, we try harder you make mistakes you get it again and it's listen it's hard work it's tiring but it's it's that winning mentality and I don't think that's 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 there all the time you know what I mean and I know there's a lot of the over 40s in our in our in, in, in the group chat now and, and listening in and watching in and you know what I mean and that's why we we enjoy doing what we're doing because we're a group of men who were very successful and very we very much love winning you know what I mean and playing yeah. well but you know what I mean for me it's uh, do you play up front you, together now yeah we have done. We have done. We we do. We don't. We don't very often because Neil's not as quick as we need. So he's he, when you the slower you get, side the, the further back you get. Right. So is Neil? Does he play further back down the pitch, defensive, like positionally, or further back down the lineup from a pit select, <laughs> selection point of view? The, 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 the manager still picks him because. Because like I, I have to lean. Because they're, they're mates. I have to lean. I have to lean on Matty to say, listen, don't drop him, uh, me, brother. You know what I mean? Ah, so. uh, I see. So what you're saying is you're like the the star of the team, giving your brother a job. Uh, like. I help. I, I, I get. I, I help him out. <laughs> nah, I'm only playing. So um, got a, still got a couple of questions. Uh, Neil, what's the your favourite stadium you've ever played at? I can't remember who sent it, but someone sent it. Good question. My favourite. I enjoyed Newcastle and Aston Villa. They were two two nice stadiums that we played at. Uh, managed to play Newcastle in the game, to be honest. A bit like the North Riding Cup uh, that you played, Andy. And I remember Shearer playing. And do you remember Shaka Hislop? Yeah, yeah. And how tall was he? I just got a header. I, I lobbed him with a header. don't know how, but I did. And we beat them. David Batley was playing. Robert Lee. They both stormed off, uh, but we managed to beat them, uh, playing for Scarborough, which was a quite of a shock, to be honest. But yeah, two, Must have been two quite decent, a day. Two decent stadiums. Was um, was it was it was it good though? Then to uh, so you know about those stadiums, you know about those kind of games, those those teams and those kind of players. Was it easier then to, to raise your game against against those those kind of players when you when you're used to playing against lesser players on a, oh. on a Saturday, so to speak? There's no doubt about it. The uh, the stadiums and the atmosphere definitely definitely changes you, and that's why I always wanted to progress and play at a higher level. Because I was thinking, if I can play like this in a big stadium, and I think it is sometimes, and it, it might say me wrong here to say this, but it's hard to motivate yourself. Like when you're playing at Barnet mm. on the slope or things like that, or at a, a Wrexham where it's wet, windy, the pitch like it, it's it's tough. Do you know what I mean? But you have to learn your trade somewhere and you can't all just play at the top and play at the big ne stadiums every week. 
Is it easier then? Big, is it easier to play? Is it easier to play at the, at the, at the top level then, do you think? In the, in the bigger stadiums? I don't know if it's probably easier, but I think it definitely helps. I think with the pitches you probably have, the atmosphere, the look after you get, the wages you get, changing rooms, yeah. Like the money you get, if, like if you have a bad game and you're on 10, 15 grand a week, like, and, and you get dropped, but if I'm on 250 pound a week playing wherever, like, and you're getting dropped, that's your livelihood. At least you've got mm. some backup, if you know what I mean. So, mm. yeah. What, well, Sai, we spoke. Sai, we spoke, didn't we, about about facilities? Didn't we? We I, I can't remember which guest it was. We were talking about Crew Alexandra's changing rooms, about how uh, how poor they used to be before they they got all this new stand done. Um, and that was my point about you know I mean when you when you drop down to non-league, you're so appreciative of the level that you used to play at. You know what I mean? People whinge and complain about oh the state of the pitch, the state of this, the state of that. You know what I mean? When I seen Newport County's pitch a few weeks ago, that's why they're playing at Cardiff City. You know what I mean? If if you can play on on lesser pitches, get changing lesser situations. You know what I mean? When people say about FA Cup games being a leveller because of conditions, because of pitch, because of whatever, it's still eleven v eleven. It's still you know what I mean. So sometimes for the for the the bigger sides, the so-called experienced professional footballers, the elite professional players, they should um, they should they should be able to handle itself a little bit better. You know what I mean? And and it, and it shouldn't be a leveller because they're getting like Neil said, they're getting paid more. They're being a professional. They're, they're better footballers. But it's, sometimes it's it's it just defies logic sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I can. What's the biggest game you've ever played in, Neil? Like, what's the like when you look back at your career? What is like the game which you look back on and you just think, yes. I don't know if I played it that many big games, but I know there was one disappointing one when uh, first year at Scarborough. We should have got promoted. We ended up drawing our last game of the season, which put us in the playoffs. We ended up playing Torquay who we drew against and beat at home 4-1. We played them in the playoffs. Uh, I think we lost the first leg 2-1. We missed the penalty. I mm. didn't miss it. And then I remember, uh, I remember talking to Andy about this, we went to Torquay on the day, drove six, seven hours on the day. We didn't even have a pre-match. We had sandwiches on the bus and we ended up getting beat 4-5-1 in the second leg. And that was our route to Wembley in promotion. Like... I don't know how we didn't do it, but like the preparation towards that is disgraceful, really. Like, if a chance for promotion on a bus breaking down, it's diabolical, really, in my eyes. Like, I think we'd lost before we even got on the bus. Like, we were saying we were mm. staying overnight, we were training before. Uh, I think we got there like maybe 45 minutes before kickoff. Like, how can you do that? They're just the preparation. Is that Ridiculous. sometimes in the, men the mentality of a club, which you know what I mean? You you're desperate to get away from, and you want to, you want to move away because they don't fulfil your ambitions as a footballer. Yeah, and 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 that's what happened in the second year. Uh, after that game, we were in work the next day. Out of the twenty squad, he released twelve players. I was on a contract anyway, so I was still had another two years left of my contract. So I was a lucky one, uh, really. But to release twelve players. And the quality that he brought in, I knew straight away uh, where it was going. I don't know if it was financial reasons, the players he was bringing in, but like to get rid of your Ian Snowden's, Gary Bennett's, John Kays, uh, your Stephen Brodies, like you know, and they are top quality players. Good and to lose, you. yeah, and to lose them, like Paul Heckenbottom, who was now a manager at Sheffield, like we had some really good players uh, released. Just that's their job gone. Like the, the, if we'd have got promoted, 
would they have kept them on? Is the next question. Do you know what I mean? Like, tell, tell people what that what that's like. Because I, I, the first I ever um, really got my head round that that happened was uh, was the day after. Sorry, two days after the playoff final. Uh, we just had like, the best the best footballing day in my life. Uh, the best footballing day in probably Cardiff City's history at the time. Um, mm. And then two days later, because we got promoted. I didn't get promoted in your case. That the managers then decided that they're not going to give contracts to seven, eight, nine, yeah. ten, twelve players, and you're sat there in a room. You don't know what to do. You don't know where to look at people. You don't know if to if to if to um, to shake hands or to to give someone a hug yeah. or to cry or to get upset or to you know what I mean? Because it's it's just it's more relief that that you're still there. You've still got a job. Yeah. You've still got a contract. But someone else has lost their job. Someone else potentially has lost their career. Yeah. And yeah. I, and I found that really difficult to get my head round. Yeah, it, it was it, like I say. I think we lost four five one that second leg. We got in at three o'clock in the morning. He requested us all in the next day at twelve o'clock. All the squad. We then Did sat in the yeah. We all sat in the stands. All twenty of us. Uh, the ones that had contracts left uh, were requested to sit at one side. <laughs> The rest Jesus. at the other side. He then <laughs> called everyone in one by one, and some of the lads couldn't even come back to faces that had been released. They just went straight out and home. And it was it's like brutal. to be to be told on the end of May, which is a playoff, isn't it? All school. Your your contract runs out first of July, so you've got another month's pay. Where are you next getting paid? I know yeah. the PFA would give an extra month's pay, wouldn't it, as a grace at the time uh, to yeah. help you out financially, but. To be just told there and then, you could be on, I don't know, maybe five, six, seven hundred pounds a week, like supporting a family. Where do you go from that? How do you survive? How do you pay your bills? Like you're in the third division. The only way down is non-league. And you know once you go in that non-league, it's quite hard to then move up and to get the wages that you can get. And what job can you do? I don't know what qualifications people have got and things like that. It's mm. it's very hard, very difficult. Difficult situation to be in, and um, going back to the the questions for the live chat, I want to try and get to as many as I can. Donna says Neil and Andy have got uh, different accents. Neil sounds Geordie, and Andy sounds Andy from Yorkshire. Why is that? Neil, uh, go on, you go. Oh, oh Andy, whoever, go on. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he's. I don't know. I've spent one of you. One of you's posh. I've spent. Uh, is that, I've is spent, that uh, Yeah, I don't. I don't. Well, which one's posher? Uh, I spent a, I, I've spent maybe more of my time away from the northeast. Maybe if that's yeah, a, possibly that's the reason that's I don't fair. know because I've I've lived in Cardiff and I've got to talk with with you and my fellow Welsh friends for a long time. I lived in Scotland for a bit. I've lived um, in other places. So it's you know, I mean sometimes you you you, you enjoy or learn a way of way of speaking. Yeah, I, I used to talk really. You fast. just pick it up, didn't you? Yeah, I know. I, I talk quite fast still, but I used to talk really quick, and I think it's probably mm. only teaching which gets me to. Um, maybe elaborate the one I'm Slow talking about. Bit. Yeah, a little bit. You have to. I've never really noticed. I just thought we speak the same. Like, no, there is a bit of a there is a bit of a difference. Like, like in the, I expected you to sound more like Andy, but that's because I speak to Andy, you know, a lot. So it's like I just kind of assumed you'd sound quite similar. But you know, it's what it is. I suppose. So, I, I, who's sorry? Question for you: Who's more common, me mm. or Neil? Who's more common? <laughs> Common. 
well, it depends you're, on you. Like... Is the auction coming? <laughs> yeah, well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like to say, but what I will say is, like Andy, you're very like fake Geordie, and you so it's just like <laughs> he's had to get out of that. By the way, what a get out! Well done. I'll give you that one. Sinking on my feet. Good mate. save. Um, Good save. Reese says, uh, Neil, what was the most important goal that you scored? We all know Andy was in the playoff final, but what was yours? Mine. I don't think I really scored any important goals, but I remember. All right, which one was the most memorable to you? To be honest, I always remember the when I just joined South End. I think I'd uh, gone three games without a goal. Obviously, signing for money, you think, oh God, when is that first goal going to come? Uh, Alvin Martin got the sack. Alan Little, the old managers, came in, and straight away he was brilliant. He was like, "Neil, you're starting up front. We're playing a local derby at Leighton Orient. Just go and enjoy yourself." Uh, I remember the press giving me a bit of stick the night before. Couldn't hit a barn door. Why have we signed this? <laughs> da, 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 da. And I was like, "Oh God, are you kidding me? Like, not only the press, the fans are going to be next." And to be honest, went us out, uh, went against Leighton Orient at their place. I scored two. We won three nil. And never looked back from there. Really, like it was. And I remember the uh, the reporter asking uh, me for an interview after the game. I won't tell you what I said because not for this show. Uh, but it wasn't polite. And little grabbed me by the neck and went, "Well done, son. Don't even speak to them ever again." Because he obviously knew what they'd wrote in the in the press, yeah. and we didn't. Uh, and then, to be honest, the lads were so supportive. No one spoke to him after the game. So even though it was a local derby, massive win. No one swore to the reporter after the game. The you do get some local side. reporters, though, don't you, mate? Which Andy, which there is like sometimes certain local reporters which seem to have a gripe with a, a manager or a player, and they it can be get quite personal quite quickly. Like I'm not going to name him, but there's a certain local journalist on Twitter who, like, I wasn't a Neil Harris fan, but he was so like from the day he signed as Cardiff manager. It was just constant on social media and in reports, just like snide little digs and and comments. And he, I just thought that happened to me. It, it, it happened to me. Did you, you know I mean? When, when Neil, stop Neil speaking was, to him. Neil was playing without social media. You know what I mean? And, and obviously, I yeah. played without social media as well. Um, and I remember um, going through a really tough time, and Ernie was doing all all the good stuff what he was doing, and I was playing second fiddle to behind him. And uh, and I remember. Uh, obviously, Kennedy was born in 2004, um, and then the following Saturday, I um, I missed that infamous penalty against Leeds United, and, um, mm-hmm. and went out with the lads to wet the baby's head, so to speak. And um, people didn't really respond to, to to that, and said I was thought I was doing something I shouldn't have been doing. I shouldn't be going out and enjoying myself, which I didn't. By the way, I was probably one of the worst nights I've ever had. And um, and I remember taking a little bit of stick the week after, and and you know what? Part of it was justified because I shouldn't have missed the penalty I, I, I should have you know what I mean I, I, it's not that like I didn't I wanted to miss it I tried still to allowed it, but, to go out though but, aren't you but people yeah but people people wrote things certain person who we both know who I get on with listen I, I told him in no uncertain terms because I, I, I'm, I'm quite outspoken myself that he was out of order and if he's got a problem with me he can tell me to my face he doesn't have to go into the paper and, sell it and, 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 and say it but his response was that it's, it sells and people enjoy <laughs> reading those things in the paper which I can't fault, you know what I mean? But then when you hear it in the radio, when you hear these certain things, it's it's, it's heartbreaking because you've got to try and get yourself over it because no one else gets you over it. You know that I remember Neil's Neil's first goal at Southend because I was um, I was sub at Middlesbrough that day. And um, and I remember, um, I think it was half-time. Um, I'd 
in, in, in Middlesbrough's changing room, we had a we had a little TV room where all injured players go and they'd, they'd sit in there while the game was on. They shouldn't they shouldn't have done, but they did. So well, I was just I was just looking in and I was saying what the what all the results were and Neil had scored, and that was I was buzzing because it got me an opportunity to um, to go out in the second half with a little bit of a, a swagger, a little bit of a buzz because I can ring him after the game and say, well done, you've you know what I mean, you've scored, and it obviously got better later on with two goals, but it's. It's those nice things, you know what I mean? That like watching soccer Saturday and seeing your brother's name, or you know what I mean, seeing that someone scored in a live game. It's, it's those are the proud moments for a, um, mm. from a brother's point of view, and and, and, and certain things will happen, yeah. But it's but then but then the negatives will go with it are the headlines, the papers, and I'm so glad social media wasn't around because you know obviously you've got so much negativity, it's scary, and you know what I mean. If I saw a bad tweet about Neil, for example. Yeah. My, my, my background and my your first my, instinct my is history, to defend my history, the family. My history on Twitter. Yeah. My history on Twitter. I'd have, I'd have jumped down people's throats straight away, and I'd have probably got banned every week because that's just the go-to mentality. To be honest, and like, how many times have we made mistakes? Like, if you make a mistake at work now, it's not publicised, is it? And does anyone say to you, "Why are you having a drink? You made that mistake yeah. at work yesterday." Do you know what I mean? Like, we are humans, and to be honest, like, we did go out when we lost and things like that, but. We didn't like enjoy it and love it and celebrate it, but that was our wind down time. Do you know what I mean? And I think now with social media and everything, it's just put the wrong way, isn't it? Like, how many times would we have been taking photos of and things like that? Like, even just having a quiet pint in our local pub together and saying, but yet they might not have known we haven't seen each other for six months. You, me yeah, living yeah. in the South End and you being in Middlesbrough. But if we'd have both lost the game, does that mean we can't meet each other and have a drink? Yeah, hundred percent. It's uh, it's one of them, isn't it? Like when Willie Boland, uh, when I did the show with him, like way back at the start of the channel, really, like he said about he used to really find it difficult, especially in that first season at Cardiff where he was struggling for form, and then he'd want to go out with his partner or his family or whatever on a Saturday night, and he felt like he couldn't go out in Cardiff or whatever because he was not performing on the pitch, and at the end of the day, like he should be able to do that. But such is the way football fans are. Some football fans are. Like, on a Saturday night, if you are in the city centre and you've not been doing things on the pitch, there's always likely to be one guy, isn't there, who's got something to say, had a few beers and stuff. And it's just, and then it becomes like a rolling thing because if you get into like a bit of an argument with someone just outside a pub, it doesn't even have to necessarily lead to a fight, just an argument, and then. For instance, and that same journalist picks up on that that or oh, Andy Campbell was out drinking Saturday night and then got into an argument with a fan. Do you know what I mean? It like rolls and yeah. rolls and rolls. Um, and I think social media has just made that even worse for footballers because every single comment they make is scrutinised and they've got to be so careful what they say. Like I'm glad the social media wasn't around when I was a kid and I wasn't a footballer or like when I was in my like early twenties and I wasn't a footballer. Because I would have got myself in trouble in work and all sorts of things, but yeah, it's just one of them. Mate, I would have got myself. I would have. I would have got myself in in so much bother. Um, it would be. It would be. It would be scary because I saw. I saw the northeast as a, as a safe haven. I saw the northeast and home being a place that if I got a weekend off, I can come back and do what I want because no one, everyone, no, yeah, everyone looks after me. You know what I mean? We used to have a we used to have a have a, have a local pub where we could go in the afternoon. We could stay there all day. Nobody would even bother you. You know, they come over, shake your hand, and it would it would be a free place that you could you could fall asleep, you could fall over, you could have too much to drink. You know what I mean? And, and nobody would ever say anything. And when you go back tomorrow, 
it's all forgotten about because mm. everyone's allowed to be human and everyone's allowed to make mistakes and and that happened quite a few times you know what I mean it would happen probably once a month twice a month in the summer it would happen probably every week every day sometimes you know what I mean on, on, on long occasion because there was a drinking culture and when you put yeah, young yeah. lads together um, and brothers together and dads together and sons and it happened all the time and it was just one of those of one of those one of those things that, that it just it just happened and and it was a lifestyle it was it was good fun but listen there was things what happened which you know what I mean I'm so glad that 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 people have got stories people tell stories mm. and, and they are true stories yeah. you know what I mean about about certain mistakes that that that, that I've done but um, the stories become funny because you can tell them when people see a picture people then um, make things make up their own and, minds, you know what I mean make their own mind up you know what I mean because people people put two and two together and, and, and make yeah. five and six and that's not that's not fair you know what I mean There's, things happen and we've all been we've all been kids and everyone makes been, mistakes mate we've all been young everyone there's not young, one person no. not one person in the chat or between us like, who've not made mistakes and I think would I change those mistakes no because that those no, mistakes put me in a position that I won't do them again Every mistake I've ever made, probably the same for you guys. Like you learn from it, don't you? And and you'd like to think you don't make that same mistake again, but it is what it is. Um, Riverside asked uh, Neil, "Would you have scored that goal at the Millennium Stadium, which Andy uh, did, or Andy scored for?" Cardiff? Danny Shitter will have caught him. To be honest, I'd have probably elbowed him, give him one, <laughs> then rounded the keeper and scored. So yeah, I would have, yeah. <laughs> Would have done it in style, mate. Yeah, yeah. In style. Um, Charlotte Potts asks, who's the biggest chatterbox? Although I think it's a silly question. Charlotte knows. Charlotte, I never stop talking, Charlotte. You know that, so I'm not, uh, you know what I mean? I just, You're a big talker. Yeah. Just talk rubbish, basically. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely, mate. That's non-stop. No, you know, it's uh, just chatty in you. You just, like... Chatty, 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 uh, listen, chatty, I, chatty. I could talk about football all day, and I could, I could sit on yeah. this. I could sit on this. This is like, a, this is like one of our um, family. Oh, he's gone. This is one of our family Zoom calls. Um, I'm sure he'll come back in. This is one like one of our family Zoom calls over over lockdown. So you know, what I mean, it's one of those like, but everyone else can see it. It's, it's like yeah. it's, it's like living in a bubble. Yeah, it's, it's quite strange. Yeah, that we see. I've got to be careful what I, what I say because it's like uh, get too relaxed. Like, what, yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I've got to, I've got to, I've got to remember that I am on the show. Yeah. Um, so, just while we wait for Neil to um, come in, there's a question there. Donna said, who scored the most goals in their football career? So, w- without looking, do you know the answer to who scored the most goals between you oh, and your brother? I mean, Neil. Yeah, overall. Well, I, I, I would probably say Neil, because he probably sent the forward more than me, but I don't know. Oof, it's very close. Um, I, wouldn't, so, I, I, I wouldn't even be able to tell you who played the, who played the most games. Uh, you played the most games, uh, according to Wikipedia. Uh, you played two hundred and sixty-nine total games, um, and you scored fifty-two goals. Good fifty-two, though. And uh, Neil played. Uh, oh, it hasn't totaled him up, so I can't. Uh, you'll have to bear with me a second with Neil's figures. Let me just bring him back in. Uh, so that's that. Neil, I'll ask you the same question, Neil. Sorry, uh, Donna. Donna asked that. Uh, who has scored the most goals in their football career, you or Andy? Uh, Andy says he thinks it's you, but uh, <laughs> I can ask you who you think it is while I quickly total them up. I think do, you know, do, do you know how many games you played as well, by the way, off the top of your head? I, hey. I wouldn't, yeah. No, I wouldn't have a clue. Yeah, I wouldn't have an, have an idea either. I wouldn't have a clue. Mm. Uh, I've no, I know I had more cards. 
Yes, so, so uh, Neil Campbell scored 66 goals in his career, according to Wikipedia, and Andy Campbell scored 52. Andy Campbell made 269 uh, appearances at club level and four for the England under 21s. Does that include uh, the England one as well then? Uh, yeah, so you made four, uh, it just says four separately, so no, 269 league appearances. Um, they, for some reason, Neil's figures aren't totaled up, so i got to have to quickly that total means, up his appearances. But go on, you means carry on talking. Means they're not true. No, it means they're not true. But, mm. uh, but no, I know, I, know, I know Neil, obviously, um, playing, people people saying, and it was a good friend of ours, you know what I mean, Richie Starr always said to me, he said, play as long as you can, you know what I mean, so how, how important is, because you played, you've never really stopped playing, have you, you know what I mean, you've played over 35s, you know what I mean, you're now what, 40, how old are you now, 43, you've, you've constantly, you haven't stopped playing, you play two games a week sometimes, on a Friday and on a Saturday, how important is it for your welfare now to still carry on playing, because not, not everybody who <coughs> plays from football has that opportunity to, um, to, to carry on their progression in football. No, I think you're right. Like well-being, like like how much do we enjoy catching up on a Saturday, uh, even having a couple of pints with your mates, friends, winning games, that mentality. But just keeping fit and, and being the best that you can. Like I say, we're playing over 40s now. We're fighting top of the league. Like it's just that winning mentality, isn't it? Oof. And the togetherness. Like there's nothing better than looking forward. It helps me get through work, to be honest. Uh, the Monday to the Friday, you enjoy your Saturday. Yeah, you enjoy the Saturday mornings. Uh, have a, a bit of a laugh on the afternoon, win or lose, draw. It, it, just the mentality of that is, it, I think, the well-being is it's massive. And I think a lot of maybe the lads probably won't be as honest with what we were. Like we've struggled not playing. Like we mm. really have. Like I'm but going out walking that, every day. It's that. It's that. It's that. It's that. What I've said. That statement. What I said about uh, about being something different on the pitch and off the pitch. And when you go when you go to work and you and you've got to be this this disciplines. This um, this person who's got to do things this way, you know what I mean? That's why I love football because I can do things my own way. I can be, I can be arrogant. I can be cheeky. I can be a little bit mischievous, a little bit naughty. I can get away with a little bit, and then I can push my boundaries. And and I like that, you know what I mean? And I can push myself into the ground. I can push myself and, and push my boundaries, you know what I mean? If it, and that's why that's what I miss about football. I miss I'm, I'm, I miss that I miss that competitiveness, you know what I mean? I miss the banter. Um, you know what I mean, and, and and I'm not sure if football will be the same. So I'm not sure if you'll go back in changing rooms and things, and what's going to happen in the next month, two weeks, whatever, whatever's going to happen. But you know what I mean. That's something that I, that that I want back. You know what I mean, because I think it's so important for um, for everyone's health, everyone's health, everyone's well-being, everyone's just just. And and I think just, it is. It's just playing, all it's, mentality. It, honestly, it's playing as long as you can, isn't it? I know we've got one mutual friend, Kev. <laughs> who won't mind me saying I think he's about 70 now isn't he mm. who won't mind me saying he's at Redka like he loves it doesn't he he's one of the fittest lads you're playing like he just carries on and carries on and that's what I would like to do play it as long as you can uh, to the best league we possibly can I don't know when have we ever thought about retiring no but there will be a time when our legs our body won't help cope with it have you have you have you thought about it? Because obviously I did, and I retired for I probably retired for a couple of years, and it was only obviously a, a good friend of mine, Steve Todd, a good friend of yours, Steve Todd, who um, who got me back into playing just when I was thirty eight. Um, I'd, I'd retired a good couple of years. I wasn't. I fell out of love a little bit with football. I'd I tried managing, got me fingers burnt, um, and uh, and stuff, and um, uh, and then it, I, I just fell back in love with football and. And I was I was I was itching to get forty so I could go play the over forties because I was struggling. I was struggling physically, loved the game, but struggling about 
catching 16, 17 year old kids who were just kicking the ball past <laughs> me and running after it and enjoying it and, and laughing and parents watching and, and thinking, I'm loving it, but I'm hating it at the same time. But I can't wait to get 40 mm. to be to be able to be the, the youngest, the fittest, the quickest and, and get back to really, really putting some markers down. I got the answer. So, um, Neil, Andy made 269 appearances, not including his England ones. Um, do you think you made more or less appearances than 269? I think I was less. Andy? Less. 239, according to Wikipedia. Yeah, no, so he does, but he scored could, more goals. Yeah, but say yeah, that, 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 so my goal ratio was a lot better then. Yeah, all right, all right. Yeah, I, I agree. And to, be, like, same, and to be honest, that loss, 30 we, games, 30 games, you got sent off 10 times, that is in 30 games. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's what very I'm true, really, actually. Yeah. You're really, realistically, I probably would have played more games then. Yeah, so yeah, if, you, if you hadn't yeah, got sent off 10 times, it would not have three game bands. 10 three yeah, big yeah. games <laughs> <laughs> I remember getting a five game band once. So, so maybe, like, like, plus all, your, all your yellows as well. Yeah. So with those, with those bands, you would have played more or less exactly the same amount of games. That's quite an yeah. uh, interesting little stat, isn't it? Um, Alan Wigglesworth asks, uh, who's the best over-40s team in the northeast? No-brainer. No-brainer. Our team. Our team. Uh, Worm's our goalkeeper. Alan's our goalkeeper. And, and you know what? When we're talking about a, a team full of top lads and, and, and lads who, who just do anything to win a game, he's just he, he epitomises everything that you want as a, as, as a player. And just, you know what I mean? And, and when I talk about players who are... Who were chalk and cheese on and off the pitch? I've just spoke about Neil there. You know what I mean? Matty, the manager's got a team full of us who who were just animals on the pitch, and just we have got a really good group off it. You know what I mean? Because mm. we are just normal human beings. We're all parents. Yeah. yeah. We're all we're all just human beings, but we we play hard and probably party even harder. To be fair. Good effort, John. Uh, John Kamara says, Andy, was there a fight with Ravenelli and Neil Cox on uh, Cup final day? Um, but there was, a, there was a disagreement first and foremost over dinner, well, breakfast, sorry, um, on cup final morning over an article in the newspaper that Rav had done over a couple of English players, Coxie and Robbie Musto, Nigel Pearce and a couple of the others. It uh, didn't go down very well. Uh, and on the bus, just about to get off at Wembley. Um, yeah, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a nice, pleasant bus journey. And um, as you can imagine, we, we were 1-0 down after 12 seconds or whatever. And it, that didn't help and that played its part. And... Um, there was a, a scuffle, more handbags than a, than a fight, I'd say, but it, it didn't help uh, the biggest game in the club's history. And uh, and and the way no, that the game went, the people wouldn't want, have been no, people wouldn't be surprised to hear that, uh, that things didn't uh, didn't go very smoothly before the game. Uh, Neil Gavin wants to know: Were you a dirty player, or were you just a hothead? Gavin, uh, rude. Oh, well, to be honest, <laughs> it's probably it's probably it's probably a bit of both because I'm quite calculated as well, so. <clears throat> with your size, the aggression, the passion to win. Like, I was that physical player, and I always will be that physical player, that Andy's probably more likely to go round a player, skin a player, go over the top, where I'm probably just hustle and bustle and get mm. into people's minds and heads. And play Who would you compare way. yourself to? Like, what uh, sort of, I don't know, top player or well, really well-known player would you compare yourself to? Like, your all-round sort of game and stuff. I should be asking Andy that, really, shouldn't I? John John Hartson. Oh yeah, John Hartson. Mm. John Hartson. I think I was I a bit. I maybe I was a bit quicker than John Hartson. 
but yeah, probably quite similar. Yeah, but it's about it's about. I think it's, it's his all round attributes, isn't it? You know what I mean? That he was good on the floor, John. He brought people into the game. He held the ball up. He was great in the air. Scored loads. Of, scored loads of headers, but had a had a bit of an edge as well, didn't he? He had a he had a naughty side. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all he, the best players have got that edge, though, haven't they? That 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 kind of um, just that nastiness to him, but not in like a nastiness where they want to hurt people. It's just a competitive edge where they want to win every ball, every throw in, every corner, every free kick. It's just it's a winning winning mentality, isn't it? That's what uh, it Donna, is, yeah. Donna says, when will the over-40 league restart? Or have you been able to play because you are professional over-40s? Neil hasn't <laughs> been able to play because he's been banned since 1987. Honestly, though, Si, Neil's been suspended since... He's been suspended since 2020. I'd say he's been suspended since April 2020. Mate, honestly, I would contact the Guinness Book of Records to honestly. get him to check. I would honestly. to check if it's the longest suspension for a red card. Honestly, scary. Um, and they'll check into it because... I, I think it is. I think it's it will be. be one of the long- it like, will be, it will, it's never going to happen again, so it must be probably one of the longest red cards ever. Yeah, get get yourself in the Guinness Book of Records. That's what I I say. I still, I still think he's got two games left on his suspension. It's madness. Um, Also, uh, Leslie, I think it was asked earlier, who's the best looking out of the both of you? Leslie, you pick because you, you obviously find me really attractive. So I'll let you. I let Leslie pick. (laughs) Depends if she likes fringes or not. Shaved it off. Who was the most wicked? Garang asked this. Who was the most wicked when you were younger? So when you were kids, who was the naughty ones? The naughty. Uh, uh, ask, Andy, ask, ask Andy about the bathroom door. All right. Okay. So, listen. I used to. I used to. Um, I used to do things I shouldn't do. So as in, I used to punch. I used to punch him really wide near up, and then I'd go and hide in a room. So I used to. I used to hide in different rooms so he couldn't find me. So he'd be. And then by the time he'd banged in a few doors, he'd calm himself down. But this one time, I really annoyed him. I think I slapped him in the face and then ran into the bathroom <coughs> and uh, locked the door. So he tried to get in, couldn't get in. And normally, after about two or three door handles and a few, few, a few smashes on the door, he gave in. He didn't give in this time. He ended up, um, he ended up getting something. I don't know if it was a, a golf club or something. Golf club. Yeah, he got a golf club and smashed the door down just to get at me. I was like, oh my Jeez. God, he's going to kill me. You know what I mean? It was, like, uh, nice, it was, it was, it was really, yeah, really scary. Really scary. I thought he was going to really attack me. But then when he got through, he calmed himself down. So, yeah. Very Excellent. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, a few people have asked what the shirt is behind you, Neil. Southend United. Oh, move Top it the right stuff. way. There we go. Nicely, who got, nicely who, who framed. Got, who got your... Nice present off my brother. Uh, have you got another brother, have you? I wondered where my shirts were. <laughs> <laughs> Now, long right. story short, long story short, I um, we, we did it. We did it as a surprise. So, um, my dad had all Neil's shirts in his in his loft. So, I uh, we did a sneaky one and uh, and got it. Yeah, there's a couple of photos on that one. It's one with the with the with the yeah with the pictures at the at the bottom and stuff. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's something it's something that it's something that you that you're proud of, aren't you? You're proud to keep, and it's something that no one can ever take away from you. Interesting. I like it. Um, right, I want to do one more question. Uh, this. <laughs> So I'm just going to pick one more. I don't know who it is. Who, I'm just going to scroll up and down until I find oh, yeah, one. Oh, yeah, it is. No, I am. I genuinely, I'm not going to I'm not gonna pick it. I'm just going to scroll until I find one. I'll even let you say stop if you want. And uh, we'll just pick whatever it goes with. As long as it's not um, the last one. 
Which one's that? Oh, yeah. oh, look, I scrolled right down to the bottom. Right, there we go then. Um, this is the last question of the evening because uh, we're already away over time. Uh, Steve Owens asks, Andy, is it true if you hadn't been a footballer, you could have been an international gymnast and you showcased your skills on Linthorpe Road? Um, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say I wouldn't say gymnast, uh, but I did showcase my talents on live CCTV. Um, Your talents? What sort of there. talents were they? Uh, it was it was it was more it was more it was more a climbing and swinging talent, <laughs> and landing. Was it? Should have known better. Did you fall, did you hurt, did you hurt yourself? I'll be honest, mate. I can't remember. Uh, all 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 I remember is waking up the next day and going into the manager's office and. Um, and Brian Robson is showing me the video of me um, climbing and swinging, and um, and and giving me two choices. Yeah, I got I got choice there was um, was to take the DVD and smash it up, or or be make it public and take the fine and things. So I sensibly took choice there and took yeah. the DVD with me, smashed it up as I walked out of his office, put it in the bin, and try to forget about the whole thing. Thanks, Steve. Imagine Indeed. how much that would be worth now. Oh, we should have kept it now. Get that on eBay, mate. We should have kept Jesus. it now. Um, <laughs> I would also, if your dad wants to send one more question in, I will allow that as well. So, uh, Stuart, if you'd like to send a question in for your sense before we finish. Um, speaking of drunken uh, shenanigans, I nearly killed myself when I was drunk. Not like that. Like, I was sat on a wall, um, and I forgot I was sat on a wall, and just was being on the pub all day, fell back. <laughs> Like leant back as if I was sitting in a chair and just fell like about eight feet drop onto concrete and landed on my head and had like a concussion Ooh. or it's dodgy, mate. I was uh, yeah. I was in a right mess for a good couple of months, but I haven't drunk much since. I've got to be honest. Yeah, it is what it is. I've I got a few drunken injuries to be honest. Like when I look back, like I like most like I broke my ankle. Uh, I was drunk. I think I broke my wrist when I was drunk. Like they all seemed to happen when I was drinking. I did, you know, I did used to drink a lot, but like. So remind me never, remind me never to have a night out with you. No, oh, mate, it guaranteed that Sounds one like of us will just you know. be end <laughs> it. Listen, I am coming up to a... Middlesbrough before the end of this year, though. So you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. I will show you. Do you ever? Um... Show you the ropes. I don't drink anymore, though, see? Well, I say that. I do now and again. I do have a beer when I do the show with Kev, so I suppose I technically Neither do drink. I. I don't do you ever, um, Neil, do you ever get mistaken for Andy? Uh, Jonas, a few people come up to me and go, I, I didn't realise how good-looking you were compared to your brother. That's the only thing that usually happens. <laughs> that means yes. Talk about me. Jonas, a, a lot of people do, but I don't think we look... I like really, like he's got his fringe. I've got there's my um, head. There's got a rem- like obviously Andy's got long hair, like so there's that. But like apart from that, it's like I've got I've got there is a hair. red. There's the, the, you know there is a I've you can see the. I've got a tan. Yeah, you can you can see it, but like it is. It lands on me for it. Will says the live shows sound like a plan and they'll be fun. Yeah, we are gonna do something at some point. Uh, live. Loads of ideas, They'll, Will. Loads of ideas. Like loads of those ideas. live shows are probably more likely to be down my way, I think. Um, okay, final question of the evening. Leslie wants to know when I come to Middlesbrough, am I going to come and see him? Of course, I'll come and see everyone. Um, Kay Childs asked earlier, uh, I, I asked every week, and I always miss the question. 
he said he is asking about Palmer. Uh, what are they called? And Palmer Palmo, things. Palmos. <laughs> Which one of you eats them? Ate the most? <laughs> what? Are they, what are, remind me. What are they again? So it's a, it's like a breaded, fried, it's a breaded, breaded a chicken, breaded. breaded chicken, breaded chicken scallop with bechamel yeah. sauce, loads of cheese, loads more cheese, loads it's of right bechamel sauce, loads of cheese. My dad's asked the question, by the way. So yeah, he's, I just like getting to it now. Yeah. So, so uh, Stuart, Stuart Campbell, last evening of the day, Gavin, they're not twins, mate. He keeps, he, th- he thought you <laughs> well, were twins. Not, <laughs> I'm 40, I'm, like, how old am I? Am I 41? What? I'm 41. You're 45 and I'm 42. I'm 41. A lot of people do say you're older though, don't they? I think mm. I'm 41. I'm 42 soon. Yeah, I'm you're sure 41 because you're a year, just sure. over a year older than me and you. I'm sure my birthday is on a, I'm sure my birthday might be on a, is it on a show day? Might be on a show day. Hope so. Maybe. Um, Maybe. John Kamara asked that question about Ravenelli and Neil Cox on Cup Final Day again. We just talked about that, didn't we? <laughs> yeah, we, yeah, I'm sure we did. Yeah. <laughs> we, answered, we did answer that, didn't we? I haven't gone like loopy. I'm sure we just pulled it up. Right. Last word of the day. Last word, otherwise we'll be here all night. Uh, Stuart Campbell, father of the Campbell brothers, will round off the Campbell show this evening. And he says, ask them if they have ever played Hungover. Oh, I know he's aiming this at me. I know exactly. <laughs> right. Which, so do you want me? Do you want me answer it? Well, yeah, on, go on. On. It might be. A, it might be. It might be. A, it might be a more difficult answer. Have you ever never played hungover? Yeah. Have you ever <laughs> not played hungover? <laughs> to be honest, if you ask the over forty, I'll probably tell you. But I do remember professionally. When I was at. Well, it was probably semi semi professionally when I was at Barrow. Uh, I remember him having. I'd just come out with the just moved from Scarborough to Barrow. And he, I remember him saying, oh, what are you doing for New Year? And I was like, oh, I'm going to have a few drinks. I ended up in our local pub up till five o'clock in the morning. We kicked off local derby, 11 o'clock in the morning. And I remember his exact words were, I hope you're not driving. I got a lift. He said, I hope you have a worst game you probably ever have. I remember coming back. We won 5-2. I scored two and got my other match. So, spectacular if that answers mm. your question that's why I think he's probably given a little dig there I played no, I played hungover for the Radar Arms once and um, I was sick on the sideline during the good uh, work that. during the good first effort. half well, I've, I've, I've never done it I've never done it I've never done it in professional professional career until right at the end and um, and it wasn't my it wasn't my fault so we when I was playing for Halifax Town Chris Wilder we'd having a really bad time um, we played Aldershot away and uh, Chrissy took us to the pub on a Friday night and told all the players that we had, that everyone was having four pints. And four pints before a game when you've never had a drink, by the way, on a, on a, on a Friday before a game on a Saturday. Um, was was horrific. So I woke up the next morning, didn't feel great. Psst, dry mouth. Played in the game. Um, we all played very well, by the way. We, we, we won 1-0, which was the worst thing you could do when, you, when that's just happened. Because the following week, we played away again. I can't remember who we played the following week, but we played, we played away again. Hotel, same thing. We're all going out, four pints. Played the next day, I think we got walloped about 6-1. And I remember Chrissy came in the Chris Wilder came in the change room after the game and said, Listen, fellas, bad mistake. We shouldn't have done that. It was a one-off. We got lucky last week. And just took it on the chin and just it's just the it's just the mentality what people do, and you know what I mean? But I I, I just to, can't do it. I can't to be honest, To drink. be honest though, Andy, I remember when I first started at York and that was I remember going away, I think we were playing Swansea in fact, away and we stayed in a hotel. And I remember Alan Little coming up to me, I think I was only 18, 19, and I remember him coming up going, you've got a three-pint limit. <laughs> three-pint limit? 
I remember, I remember walking past going, so I remember asking Paul Barnes and going, what's he going on about? He said, you're allowed three pints and it's all on the bill, itemised, you get any more and you'll get fined wages. I was thinking, three pints, I don't even drink. <laughs> and I do remember, I do remember having three pints and the next day I was sub going, I hope I don't get on, I hope I don't get on. <laughs> but that was a mentality in them days. Yeah, well, it was, and, and, and when we're on about um, like professionalism now and, and people and players and could you, could you play now, I think it's more, could I not do what I used to do? Could I, could I be that disciplined in eating, drinking, living, sleeping, breathing football? Because it would, it, I would have to have a, a complete lifestyle change around to play football, what I love to do, because the football was easy. It was the lifestyle which coincided with the football. It, was, it, wasn't, it wasn't, that was, that was the hard bit. And to be honest, it was after games. I remember after the game, we'd all get fish and chips and crates of lager be at the back of the bus. Yeah, I know. There'd be crates of yeah, lager. Yeah. And, and this and is when you think after a game, after a game, you used to go to the players' lounge, you'd have two or three pints in the players' lounge. Yes, you would, you yeah. Won't, you won't be at a touchy drop of alcohol in the football club now. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you think the drinking culture changed in football? We'll finish on this, promise. Arsene, Arsene Wenger. Yeah. Arsene Wenger. Is his fault? He ruined Blame football. Him. <laughs> Blame him. Arsene Wenger ruined football. The good thing is, we, like him. the good thing is, we've carried a mentality over to the over forties, so we are still carrying it on. Yeah, the thing is, outside. Listen, I'm finished on this. It had to happen, by the way, because football to be successful and really successful yeah, and, to go and to the money the to be level. involved. Yeah, you have to. It had to happen, and 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 fair play to them. You know what I mean? Because it, it's. It's such a small part of your life, but it's, you got you so dedicated now. You know what I mean? And and, and yeah, yeah, very hundred percent. Good luck to them. Yeah, very good. Yeah. Um, okay, guys and girls, thank you ever so much for joining us. Appreciate all the questions, the comments. Been a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, Neil, obviously, thank you for joining us, mate. Thank you for your time. Uh, extra long one, guys. Subscribe youtubecom nation. Download the audio version tomorrow from tomorrow morning. Obviously, spread the word, tell your friends. We always have uh, top guests joining us. Um, and lastly, uh, Gavin said, can fans come to the live shows in Cardiff? Um, yes, that's the point. But the, the, otherwise, it would just be me, Andy and Kev sat in a pub on our own. <laughs> Which, you know, is fine. Like, but, um, the plan is to do... Yeah, just may as well do it as normal. But um, the plan is to do a live show, me and Andy, then a live show, me and Kev. And then I'll sum in with all three of us, kind of back to back to back, a few beers, get questions from people. I'm sure we'll have a few uh, special guests and stuff. But there's no date set or anything. That's just one of many plans. But, um, right, <clears throat> appreciate all the amazing comments. I'm going to put them all up as the, scroll, as the closing credits finish. Thank you, Neil. Andy, it's a pleasure, you know, as always, mate. Oh, this has been one. this has been yeah this has been great um, and like I said the show's grown growing getting bigger and bigger we've got some amazing guests got another one confirmed for next week which is amazing the Friday Championship show which is um, really taken off by the way continuing to grow it's massive absolutely yeah. massive and, and it's going to get bigger by the way because we're at the stage of the season where um, starting to hot up and, and some good things are happening so yeah long may long may long may continue and, and keep supporting because without you guys this just doesn't work and doesn't happen spot on mate yeah the championship show um from like the audio downloads is uh the most downloaded show which we do on the whole channel um and like when you think when we started that one that was the one that was kind of behind all the others because it started after the others it was a friday night so it was very difficult for people 
and it's kind of just grown into this thing of his own. I'm really, really happy about that. And um, yeah, you know, best championship show in the in the UK. I mean, Easy. I get told that get told Easy. that every week. Quest, so quest, I what? Starting to get it exactly, mate. The only the only thing they've got on us is the rights to the highlights. See you next week. See you Friday for the championship show. Friday. Don't forget seven o'clock live, live. My mummy and daddy have been talking about life insurance. It sounds like something to protect my brother and me, but I don't really understand. Then my auntie Louise told mummy about Bespoke Financial Teesside. She said they're a local company who helped her with her life insurance. Mummy got in touch and because they're based locally, a man called Darren was able to come to our house. He was really friendly. Darren stayed for a cup of tea and made it all really easy to understand. He said that life insurance will protect our home and family if anything bad were to happen. Like if mummy or daddy got sick, then we'd get enough money to take care of us and our house would be paid for so it wouldn't get taken away. After an hour, Darren said goodbye and mummy and daddy seemed a lot happier. Once it was all sorted, we could all relax and watch a film together as a family. I don't know why they didn't do it sooner. Podcast Network.